0: What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wrapping with Reef. I'm your host, Keith Berkel. And So tonight, I welcome back Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture in Plant City, Florida. What's up, buddy?
1: How you doing, Keith? Doing great. Um, just uh, enjoying the break. Second day.
0: Second day, I know. We're talking before the, uh, <laughs> the live stream. I feel a little a little guilty that I got you on the live stream when you're supposed to be off, but, uh, you know, I guess uh, talking corals is, uh, is not uh, really work, is it?
1: No, not really. I mean, uh, when you asked me about it a couple of months ago, I knew when it was going to be, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do it. I think we ended your show a couple years ago, or ended your year a couple years ago with uh, you, Thursday Night Live Stream. Uh,
0: you were on pretty much a year ago um, this time. Was it two years ago? I, think, it was last, I, I think, think I had you on last year, like the, uh, the Thursday before the holiday week. Yeah, I guess yeah. maybe it's kind of becoming right. a tradition, dude.
1: Hey, let's just keep it going i'm okay with that
0: <laughs> so for those uh those it. folks that don't know chris he um and, and aci aci is a coral uh, wholesaler and chris runs a business with his wife amanda and their staff before we get into the conversation though, i want to thank the sponsors of the show bulk Reap supply and ecotech marina i really appreciate these companies supporting the live stream and i also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in and um i see there's a bunch of you out there please um don't forget to hit that like button and while you're at it subscribe to the channel well why not right and uh, as per usual we uh, we encourage a lot of comments and questions I've already uh, seen a pH and uh, cockwasser uh, question in the chat there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on in the chat there we'll do our best to uh, to keep track of all this stuff and and um, keep this thing moving along but uh, I don't know dude what um, What's been going on with you besides you? So you're on break, right? So you, you're the last two weeks of the year, you're off there at ACI.
1: Yeah, we started doing that. Um, I think it was in 2010. Um, it, 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 I think in 2007, 8, and 9, we had major issues with um, couriers getting um, the corals when we'd ship out right before the holidays, um, getting them from point A to point B in a timely manner. And it ended up costing animals lives and that's not why we do this and we decided that we were going to start in 2010 shut the place down for two full weeks and uh take a break you know give us a chance to actually assess our inventory and you know um assess some situations that need to be addressed and um get things uh, moving um hello well, here goes the cats again <laughs> the cats again <laughs> um it's been a kind of a thing, yeah, ever like this 12 years of doing the shutdown, and um, it's a well deserved break. We need it because it's every week, you know, it's almost seven day a week job when you break it down, but it's really not a job when, when you look at it the way I look at it. But that two weeks gets me, um, time dedicated strictly to the family, and I think that's super, super important, especially around the holiday season. So hit
2: the, hit,
0: hit yeah, the refresh uh, button.
1: Yeah, we do this thing at the end, uh, the last week we're open, we do it, we call it, um, I hope I don't offend somebody, we call it Hell Week, <laughs> <laughs> where we literally import a bunch of stuff and we just blow it all out at a huge discount so that the stores then can um, make a little extra money over the holidays. It's kind of our Christmas present to our stores for um, to, the, to the, for the support that they gave us over the years. Um, it's kind of been just a tradition where we do, we call it a customer appreciation sale at the end of the year. Um, and I don't think I'll ever change that. You know, it's, uh, it uh, makes me feel good being able to kind of give this stuff away almost, for se.
0: <laughs> no, it's very, it's, that's, that's very cool. I mean, you got to keep uh, the, the local fish stores are just kind of like the, uh, a vital part of the, uh, of the ecosystem here extremely vital and um
1: a lot of them are hurting because of um a lot of obvious reasons um but if i can help supply them with good quality healthy livestock that does give them a boost and help them keep going because um personally i think it'd be better i mean if i if i still was a hobbyist i would be buying from the local fish store if i could acquire the the corals that i was looking for um you know, and I'm not wanting to go with all the fancy, fancy names, as you know. We've had that discussion in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to mean something, and for me to have a name on it. But um, a lot of a lot of local stores, um, you know, they're they they have to deal with the internet, and um, I want to see the local fish stores continue, because if they don't, you know, the industry is going to take a huge blow if we start seeing more and more um brick and mortar stores um fold, per se. And some of my best stores are some that have been around for 50 wow. years, 35 years, 20, 15 years. Um, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. You know, and they're hitting it hard. You know, these guys that have been around for 50 years have evolved. And um, it's been amazing to watch them through the process over the last 15 years. The one store here in Tampa, uh, 15 years of being, doing business with them and um, seeing how they've changed. And we've had ups and downs, you know, where we went a year or two without them purchasing because, of course – you know, trans shipping gets involved and, you know, prices are so high sometimes that they don't really see the value in ACI, but then you go away for a year and then you come back and they say, damn, what was I doing? Oh, there's that, that whole year, you know, the corals are healthy. We're moving them. <laughs> not, not always better to buy by price. That's all I got to say. Yeah. No, that's
0: that's good advice. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about shutting down because uh, one, one reason, because of the shipping, uh, you know, stuff. I mean, the, uh, We've talked about this on the show that um, you know the shipping industry the freight ind- industry these days is just um it's really it's it's not uh, it's not a good situation it's it's um it's gotten very expensive to ship and the uh, reliability issues um you know it's it's tough so yeah i mean i was I was actually supposed to be shipping um this week and I was like you know what I'm not gonna ship this week i'm just um, I'm gonna just ship you know first week in january and and uh, play it safe.
1: Yeah, this week we shipped one order out on UPS and that was because of, uh, we were so busy last week. I think Daniel had figured that we had over 160 boxes leave in a week. Um, that was a pretty decent week for us, but I, amongst all the, me- the, the, the the commotion in there, I mean, we were so just running around like chickens with our heads cut off, just getting things done from eight o'clock in the morning until we left at you know five six o'clock at night depending on when we got everything done and i lost an order and didn't even realize it and luckily we have all that we keep track of it through our website and at the end they're like um what happened to this customer and i'm like uh you printed it chris i'm like "Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we had called him up and said we'd ship it out to him on monday and they were perfectly fine with it and we honored our discount and everything and uh it made it. I was really happy. But um, then we did have uh, some stuff that it was uh, just some overnight ground packages, or some ground packages, and some of them still haven't made it. And it was supposed to be there on um, Wednesday. Yeah. And that was just stuff in the state of Florida. So wow. um, yeah, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like if it was going ground up into you know your area or even out west. So the reason why we do what we do at the end of the year, just so we don't have to worry about harming the animals, you know, and, and having customers that have no product to sell and, you know, usually they just buy big the week before
0: and, uh, which is good. It's, it's chaotic shipping, you know, a shipping day, right? I mean, you've got a deadline, you've got a serious deadline, you know, it's, it's a, it's a dance you're playing. You're, you're basically trying to, um, start as late as you possibly can. Right. And then you've got a deadline where you've got to get those boxes, The UPS or UPS is coming to you. I don't know exactly how you do it, but, um,
1: they come to pick it up. They come to pick it
0: up. So, um, it's, it's nerve wracking, right, man? I mean, you're, you're just like, you're under their gun and it's, um, you don't want to like have anybody upset the apple cart.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We have, um, we have a fairly green crew in at, at the farm right now too. And this was everybody's first customer appreciation sale. And, um, you know, Daniel and I, we just, we hammered out i mean we just get it done and you know, the new guy it put a hurting on him like it was the first time since he was working for me that i could seriously see that he was like hurting from all the work that he had to do because we normally start packing like um you know on like mondays we start packing at like noon um monday of the week of the sale we had so many orders going we were packing at like 10 yeah. 30 11 o'clock yeah. and we didn't get done. Normally we're done packing by like three o'clock. That way we can do all of our uh, labels and everything yeah. that is necessary and just get all the boxes boxed that are sealed shut with the heat packs, ice packs, whatever it is. And, um, it was, uh, four, four 30. We're finally done packing orders. The UPS man standing there at quarter to five. Cause he's normally always there the same dude. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, Anthony, please leave and just come back. Cause you're, it's bothering me that you have to stand <laughs> here and wait. And I'll just go to the truck and chill out for a little while. You come and let me know when you're done, you know, quarter after five, five we're done packing up the boxes. And he's like, don't worry. Everything's good. He's like, I still got, I'm going to be out till nine o'clock tonight. Anyhow. So, uh, it didn't, it worked out well. <laughs> I, I have
0: like different, uh, issues, you know, I, you know, I, so I'm in Vermont and, uh, it's pretty uh, rural around uh, where I am. I'm like in the middle of nowhere. So, um, you know, so we have a, um, a couple of, uh, you know, hubs, I guess, nearby one is like 45 minutes away and there's another, like an hour away. So I usually go with the, uh, the hub that's, uh, like 45 minutes. I, I sometimes, I'll, I will travel 45 minutes, drop off boxes. And, and um, you know, right. if I've got a lot of them, because I just want to make sure that there's, um, less stress on the, uh, on the corals in terms of getting bounced around oh, the yeah. truck and all that stuff. But anyway, um, you know, so I've got the phone number of that depot, you know, I've got the phone number of the UPS truck guy, and um, you know he's called me, and so we had this situation where we, um, you know, there's a plane that flies out of this uh, city called Barry in Vermont to Manchester, New Hampshire. And uh, for a few weeks, this plane was uh, not uh, operating uh, on time all the time, and and some and some nights that plane wasn't operating at all. So okay. yeah, and and so I had a couple of instances where I had to, um, you know, I, I always look at the tracking. And so the, uh, the next, uh, you know, I always look at the tracking the next day to kind of see where, where the packages are. And I saw that it hadn't moved out of Vermont. I was like, what, what's going on with that?
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know,
0: I didn't have the phone number at that point in time for the depot. So I just got in the, uh, in, in my car, drove 45 minutes. And yeah, there were the five boxes that I had dropped off the night before just sitting there. And I, I picked them up and, and
2: took them back took, home and, redid and, it. and
0: put them back in the tank and tried it again. And then, um had the same situation actually with two of the, uh, two of the same orders. I had to go and, uh, the, this time the UPS driver called me and said, the plane's not running tonight. I was like, what? He's like, can you meet me at this so-and-so spot? I was like, that's awesome. You know? So I met the guy <laughs> and, nice. and, uh, you know, so I picked up the, uh, the orders, uh, again, but, uh, they finally got that situation worked out where they got a, they got a plane now that could go from Vermont to uh, New Hampshire, but it's like, man, so, I think one one person's order I repacked three times.
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> well, it's better to do that than to have to worry about an animal dying or a group or a colony dying. Um, that's the you know it's what it's all about for me. I mean, we we have our our UPS drivers are you know very good. I remember the first time a UPS when I got a new driver, and um, he's carrying the boxes out and they're on their side, and I just went like this. And I'm
2: like, oh, my God. Uh,
1: visually, visually, I cannot put my head around that when there's arrows yeah, right. facing Yeah, right. I've seen that, too. And you got them on your shoulder, and they're facing <laughs> the side of your head. And I just go, okay, I don't care what you guys do with it after, but my visual of you seeing you carry my boxes out on their side, please don't ever do that again. Just,
0: just please don't do that. Yeah, somebody did that to me once, and I was like, ah, oh, you got to go go right side up. But I mean – God knows what happens to these boxes in transit. You know, God knows what happens in terms of getting upside down, bounced around, and and, and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, you you um, you know. So I, when when I had all these issues in terms of like reliability of the airplane and, and not being sure that the stuff was going to make it there uh, next day, that's kind of like when I upped my game and I was like talking to you. I was I was talking, I think, from Adam from uh, Frag Garage. Who else? Um, Ty uh, Farmer Ty. You know, I was, I was trying to like I wanted to yeah. up my game, and so you know I, I started putting injecting oxygen into the bags and activated carbon. I just you know and and just uh makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, but you know, knock <laughs> on wood since I started doing that. I haven't had one package that's been been late.
1: I'm not going some wood <laughs> for you there buddy, because uh you know we we had some issues um back about four months ago. We never really had these issues where they were just boxes were being just busted up royally. Yeah. To the point of, you know, we 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 go over the 15 years of shipping through UPS and FedEx. um, I've learned all the ins and outs and best ways to pack up everything. And I figured I did everything I possibly could to keep these boxes from leaking, even if they were just, you know, tossed around like ragdolls. And here like I said a couple of months ago, we started having these problems where we were getting leaky boxes again. I'm going, what are we, what else are we gonna do? I'm like, we have a box, a bag on the outside of the styrofoam, a bag on the inside of the styrofoam with all the corals inside that bag sealed shut yeah. and uh, how, did, how does how that do, happen how do you make them leak so we started doing double liners on the inside Whoa. of the box and that
2: knock on some wood
1: has um you know pretty much fixed that problem because it was the same customer almost every week uh. telling me hey man these guys are destroying the boxes and then when we fixed that problem, we think with the, the extra bag, um, we were good to go. So we're still evolving our shipping, dude. I mean, I'll always evolve it just to make sure that the animals are going to travel. Yeah, safely. That,
0: that's all about them, <clears throat> you know. And I don't mind paying more money to ship because, um, you know, obviously the oxygen setup cost me money. I got a bag sealer that cost me money. Um, the, I'm shipping more water. Pays for I'm itself. shipping more water. Right. But in the end, it's peace of mind, and uh, you know that um, you know the odds are going to be much greater. That stuff's going to get there alive, even if it's like in uh, transit for uh, for several days. Um, So uh, just looking at some of the comments here, all right, we'll we'll get to a lot of the uh, the questions I think in the comments. But (laughs) I I wanted to start. So before the live stream, I mentioned to you that we've got like this uh, big storm coming here. In Vermont, yeah. we've got—they're um, talking like 80 mile an hour winds. This uh, crazy front coming through, and the power company's already issued warnings about power outages and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I—I—I uh, I, I made sure that uh, I got two generators. I've got a full house backup generator, so I made sure that uh, they run on nice. propane. So I got 200 gallon propane tanks. So I made sure that those were uh, topped off. I, I looked at them today, so probably would have been, sh- you know, shit out of luck if, uh, if they were empty and try to call the propane company to come and fill them. But I guess, you know, at least I got peace of mind that I know they're they're filled up. Um, right. I tested right. the – I got a backup portable propane generator that I tested that I uh, made, you know, so it's um, – it it's it's a little nerve wracking, but uh you know, I should be okay. But you you went under uh you know, you had a situation last uh, this past fall, right? Where you guys lost power for how many days?
1: It was uh almost three full days. Um with Hurricane Ian. Uh the power went out and um, we you know, luckily the storm wasn't um bad when it came down to hitting us. Um it went uh, completely east, um, of us, which was great. Um, unfortunately we, everybody knows what happened down at the people in Sanibel Island and, and the, and the path that it went was pretty bad. Uh, we got really lucky. Um, and only we had power outage for three days. Um, but we had, uh, we had, uh, three, with three, three generators running nonstop the whole entire time. Uh, we were really, uh, Daniel and I really prepared for it this year. Um, with the hurricane. Uh, we, we had everything lined up where it made it nice and easy. It was a little bit more difficult than what we thought it was going to be because of the uh, the legs on the um, uh, the breakers for the generators. And uh, we had to even it out um, by unplugging some things from this leg and putting them on the next leg. And it ended up working out extremely well. We had power running throughout the entire time. And all of our systems really fared well with the exception of the uh, farm. Uh, our first farm the girl one is what we call it which had i was over 190 acro colonies that we had grown from small frags and um as disheartening and really upsetting that we did lose uh like 60 of them um they were all very large colonies and we ended up losing a couple of smaller ones but um they were they were right next to the big ones because they were blocking all the flow and this one thing lesson learned again um you know Make sure our, you know, we always like to just have the return pumps running. That's the only system that we have the return pumps running straight across the bottom of a 12 foot by six foot uh-huh. tank so that we can get flow going across the bottom to keep the bottom from getting silty yep. and settlement. And it works extremely well. But when you have a 12 by six tank and that return pumps only 6,500 gallons and you got that going six feet wide and about six inches of water. And then when it comes back around and it has to go up. You know, 18 more inches of water for that same amount of water flow to go through the water flow is just so weak that it doesn't travel through the colonies it just traveled around them and the interior of the colonies we ended up losing them it's where it started we saved some tips of the majority of those um, and then some I completely lost and um, thankfully for you 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 know you had some of those pieces and uh, my cherry pie and my pinks bath and uh, I am very grateful that you uh, sent them back down to me so now they're in grow out phase all over again to Maybe in two years, yeah. I'm not available I, I sent you a nice, uh, I sent you a nice care
0: package, and uh, I want to, uh, I want to go through all those, uh, those frags. But let's talk about what the, uh, what the reefer's code is all about. Reefer's
1: code is something that you know, uh, my buddy, my buddy Jake and I were, were trying to revive in the industry, um, and we talked about it for well over a year, probably two or three years we've been talking about it, but it got more detailed with what we talked about with the reefers code in the last year. And Jake and I always kind of went by the reefers code where, you know, I, no money ever exchanged hands from Jake and I, um, you know, the studio got corals and um, the studio donated corals to me. And, you know, I was very fortunate that I was able to get back uh, one of my favorite corals when um, I sent some to Jake and actually hurricane, um, was it hurricane Irma? He got one fragment of it and, Something happened um, right after we started doing the Kalkwasser dosing um, two years ago, and I ended up losing my colony, and Jake sent it back to me. And then I had it available again on the market you know, eight months later because the PC game was pretty decent size. So the Reefers Code, it is basically you got friends in the industry, um, whether they're close or far away. Um, there's no money going to exchange hands. You got a piece of a coral that you really like that you don't want to lose. And if you do lose it, what are you going to do? What can right. you do? You don't have that coral anymore, but if you've got a good friend that has a reef tank and knows what he's doing, give him a small piece of it. Let him grow it out, you know, and, um, vice versa, you know, send frags back and forth. You know, um, not everything has to have a dollar on it. It's about the animals. And that was one of the things I loved about Jake was the fact that it was never about money ever. It was always about the beauty of the animals, whether they were ugly to most and beautiful to Jake and I didn't matter. We We shared pieces back and forth constantly like that. And. You know, if I lost it, Jake gave it back. If he lost his, he would have gotten all of his back too. And now you've got the same thing with me, Keith. You know, you got um, you know the purple monster. You know, let that, me show the uh, I mean, let me show world. the
0: purple monster frag that I sent uh, sent <laughs> Chris. So this was um, I'm showing the clip of the purple monster, a nice little chunky purple monster frag. And um, there, there's going to be a little colony shot after this. So, um, and the colony shot is interesting because I show the colony and this is like a mini colony. I, I fragged it because I wanted to stimulate the growth on the thing. So you can see there's three cuts on this colony. I don't know if you're watching or not on, on YouTube. Uh, It's uh, it's, it's not not. that, it's not that (laughs) big. And then, and this is like four weeks later after it healed up. So four weeks later, um, after I fragged it, it's completely healed up. And, um, I, I think it is actually growing a little quicker than, than it had in the, uh, in the past. But, um, yeah, when was the last time you had the, uh, the, uh, the Tyree Purple Monster, man?
1: Oh my gosh. I had the Purple Monster when I first started, you know, when I first moved to Florida, it's been 20 years since I've had the Purple Monster. I got a piece of it from, um, a guy over in Lakeland. Um, I, I'll never forget that guy. His name was Rick and he was a reefers code type dude too. <laughs> he just gave me a chunk of Purple Monster. I remember it very well. And, uh, Um, he ended up getting out of the, out of the hobby. Um, you know, just a few years after I was, you know, down here, but I had that coral and it was the slowest growing coral on the planet. And all I used back then was 20 K radiums and, uh, and, um, of all things the VHO super (laughs) actinics loved that lamp. Oh, I wish I could get those things back in my possession because they could really make a coral look good. Um, I had that thing for a long time. And then, uh, Honestly, I can't tell you what happened to it. I I don't remember, but it was it's, it's been almost twenty years since it has been in my possession. And when you told me you had it, I'm like, hmm. Does he have the real deal? Does he have the real purple monster? Because I've seen imposters. There's a lot of imposters out there. The white polyps give yeah. it away. And uh, when I got yours, of course, after it was in my system, I had to inspect it extremely well. And I'm like, yep, it's the real deal. Um, <clears throat> and then I was telling Jake about it. That was the you know. Oh, Jake
0: um, wanted a piece of that man. He was like. I was like, all right, you're on the list. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, he, I told him, I said, depending on who grows it faster, I said, you might get one from me before you get one from Keith. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm really going to do some experimenting with that coral. Just so, uh, just to give you an idea of what I plan on doing. Um, I use uh, radiums over that coral now, as well as the coral cares, as well as some reef bright accents. And it's encrusted over that little piece of, um, funny. uh, funny. And it's, onto the frag plug now pretty good. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's growing pretty good. I'm like, but it's still, the other ones are growing a lot faster than surprise, that. Surprise, surprise. Like, hey, purple monster. <laughs> 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 so, um, I forget who I was talking to. Um, he knows you. Um, it's coming a guy named a guy in Jersey. um, and he remembers you had um, the radiums that were overdriven.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, they, you know, so I, I still use the 400 watt 20k radiums, and um, I had um, I was using um, years ago when I used to be in Connecticut. I, I had uh, two colonies of the purple monster that I, I I acquired like a mini colony from somebody, and then uh, I had a frag that um, grew really quickly for me. So I had two nice big size colonies that grew very well, and I had. 400 watt, 20k radiums, and I had magnetic ballast, right? So I was overdriving the bulbs with the magnetic ballast. And now fast forward to today, right? I've got the same bulbs over the uh, purple monster, but I've got the electronic ballast. And and you you said something to me. I was like, you know, we were talking one time. And I was like, man, I, I just can't figure out why, you know, it grew like a weed for me. Or not a weed, but it grew really quick, you know, quickly for me back years ago. Sure. And now the last several years, it's like growing so slow. And you're like, maybe it's the magnetic ballast overdriving the um, the bulbs versus the electronic.
1: I, I think that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, and it's funny that we're bringing up the magnetic ballast because um, I had to call in um, – give, give Tulio a little bit of um, crap about, um, I had, you know, I had two ballasts that came from him. I, I think I bought 35 ballasts from him like six months ago and uh, two of them didn't work out of the box. And I was just busting his balls a little bit. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, don't worry. He's like, we're not going to be selling electronic ballasts anymore. He's like, I got a manufacturer making me magnetic ballasts all over again. He's like, because you've been talking metal halides so much. And actually we're selling more metal halides than we have in the last five years just in the last year or so, we've been selling a lot of metal halide ballasts, and I'm like, I think they're coming back because people are seeing what I've been talking about and other people have been talking about that you know uh, metal halides really do they're the best for acropores. I don't care what anybody says; you can't convince me otherwise because um, I've tried all the different types of LEDs, and I still get you know you know the coral care has really impressed me, but I still don't get the same as I do out of the out of the metal halides. So what I'm gonna do. And I mentioned to Tulio this, uh, when I was talking, I said, you know, you're going to have magnetic ballast. Awesome. Because I'm fixing to put up over the sump area that I have my acros in, the in my large system. Um, I'm fixing to put up two 65 K Iwasakis. And I want to see what happens to Mr. Purple Monster <laughs> under some Iwasaki 65 Ks. Cause, um, you know, Greg Scheimer back in the day, that guy would grow a coral from a one inch, two inch frag to a foot staghorn colony like this big in one year with those Iwasaki 65s and uh I think uh yeah it was Jake that I talked to right before he was on his way to Bali he said um you really gonna do the 65s and I'm like hell yeah I'm gonna do them he's like I can't wait to see what happens and uh damn now I'm not gonna be able to tell him the tell him the results you know uh well sucks but you know he's uh it's a shame one of our best friends and one of the biggest influences in the industry is no longer with us. You know, good buddy, and I know he became a good friend of yours too. It, uh, um,
0: I mean, listen, you guys were uh, you guys were talking pretty much every day, right? I mean, you guys were um, yeah, almost, um, yeah. It's it's kind of. I mean, listen, I um, you know he he I, we we definitely became uh, very uh, you know good uh, reef keeping buddies and all that stuff, and I knew um, you know Jake um, for couple of years you know pretty much through the show and and uh you know he um he got into like you know following me on youtube and then reaching out to me and we we damned a lot together and stuff and and uh we had
1: conversations about you all the time trying to figure out how to beef you up and make you better than what you already (laughs) are
0: well he was like he was feeding (laughs) me guests like oh i mean Constant like funneling of like ideas for guests on the uh, on the show. So he was a uh, He was a fan of the uh, of the show and the channel and and um, Yeah, it's um, you know, so it's it's kind of hard to fathom in terms of like not having that uh, That dude around anymore. It really is but um,
1: There's a void man. There's a really there really is a void. I mean, you know going into the farm It's hard not to even just you know hard not to go down the aisles of the corals, especially the farm and look at, you know, when you look at a, a, a toxic Jake Adams, Acropora, Florida, and you don't have to get up close to it and just say, all you do is look over in the, in the tank. And you're like, damn, there's Jake's coral. Right. He collected that coral. <laughs> you know, it's like a, no, he didn't collect the Acropora, Florida. That's been in captivity for, uh, I get all the stories mixed up. Um, I have them documented. And Amanda is doing, um, well, she did an, an amazing article on uh, Jake's corals that's going to be published in Coral Magazine. Um this, uh, I guess, the January, January, um,
0: February uh, yeah. magazine
1: yeah. uh, issue that comes out. It's going to be in there. And um, she really did an amazing job. Um, I didn't even get to see the original draft because they didn't. You know, Matt, uh, Matthew and uh, her said, Chris can't see it. Chris can't <laughs> see it. And then um, at the very end of the editing, um, when we were like four or five days before the cutoff was, she looked at me and said, like, something seems wrong here. And, and I'm like, okay, um, I thought you didn't want me to see it. So I, I read the whole entire article. And of course, you know, my faucet you know, started running and teared up. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, I was happy for her to, for, for putting it out there and um, just happy that, you know, uh, Jake's legacy and the legacy of some of his corals was being, you know, put into the article, but we had to switch some things around. And luckily I got to read it beforehand because um, it would have been published completely wrong. And um, we just switched a couple things, and uh, good to go. So it's going to be fun to see that. But Amanda did uh, proud of her; she did a good job, a very good job. Just uh, talking to me and talking to other people and putting it all together was she.
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> looking forward to reading it. <laughs> um,
1: Subscribe to Coral. Martin yes, everybody.
0: Need. I just subscribed. That was long overdue. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but
1: um, it's print. It's print. But you know, we've got. I got a bookshelf stuffed full of every Coral magazine since Amanda and I and uh, and Matthew have been uh, since we've been subscribing to it. It's only been a couple of years, but I keep every every single issue. And you know, why not go back through them down the road? You know, where you, yeah, you can do it on the internet, but for me, I'd rather sit down, just checking out TV, maybe just listening to the TV and reading through a a, a magazine. Um,
0: print's not dead. It's, to me. it's it's kind of refreshing <laughs> to get off of the device, you know, and actually. Yes. through something
1: <laughs> very very refreshing for sure i can't stand my phone if i didn't have business i wouldn't have a phone <laughs>
0: um you know so all right speaking of jake again in the purple monster he had actually gone on a uh, little expedition i think it was with the uh, with triton and uh unique corals i believe they went back to the Solomon Tim kelly okay and they went back to the Solomon islands mean- to try to find the original pm right
1: Yes, they did. And um, if I remember correctly, they found it. And um, they found uh, it wasn't, of course, the original colony, but it was, you know, uh, the strain and the exact color morph, um, which is um, maybe it was the original colony. Who knows? I mean, the Solomon is a big, big place when you break it down for diving and stuff, but um, very shallow. In, uh, I think from what I remember, it was could be high and dry at low tide, depending on the, how, how big the tides were mm. at the time. So it's uh, very shallow. And uh, that's why I'm thinking after I talked to Tim about it, he's like uh, how shallow it was. I'm like, maybe the 65Ks will get that thing really cooking <laughs> and growing. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, if I can get it to grow a little bit faster and it doesn't look as beautiful, and then I can just frag it and stick it underneath some radiance and uh, get that get that deep deep purple coming back into it you know that's uh, gonna make it a viable coral for um us to get out to the world and because um, if not it's gonna be expensive because the amount of time it takes to grow it is of course with yeah, the price
0: that, and you know i've um i hadn't bragged that thing for you know i think since i had it and i, I can't re- recall exactly how long i've had that that coral it might be like four years or something like that i mean it, it was like dormant <laughs> for a long time well the story was that i uh, i put a frag of it in my 187 gallon display tank and all it did was like encrust on the rock right and and it had like it had the single you know nub from the frag but it just freaking encrusted and of course it was slow to encrust and i had organ blue tort right next to it because that's my other favorite coral and uh, i had some other corals and they started to like shade out the purple monster you know so yeah, I had a lot of corals growing and a lot of encrustation going on. I was like, I got to try to save this PM because uh, I'm going to lose it. It's getting shaded out and, and I need to like you know do something or else uh, I'm going to be shit out of luck. So I, um, I somehow got the rock out and chiseled it up, made a couple of frags and put one of the uh, larger ones on a tile. And that's how I started growing that out. And um, so yeah, it was a uh, kind of like a rescue effort to try to get that thing uh, out of there. And then so it's been on the tile for probably like a couple of years and, and pretty much dormant until, uh, you know, recently, the last year or so, it's been growing a lot better. And, um, yeah, so, I, but I, I think I definitely see signs that it's growing faster after fragging it. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, I've found, it uh, you know, in terms of in the past, if you frag a coral, then that could stimulate growth, correct?
1: Oh, yes, of course. I mean, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we had gotten in... Um, uh, is it Vivids?
0: <sighs> no, it was a,
1: it was a Rainbow milly. I don't think, it maybe it wasn't Vivids, but um, whoever's it was. Anyway, we had it, I mean, and for like a year, it was a frag about this big. It's yellow. It's got green polyps. It's got um, a little bit of uh, pink in it. It's absolutely stunning. And it literally did not grow more than like that big of a puddle. You know, about the size of a 50 cent piece on a tile in over a year. And I got fragments that I'm putting on tiles that are like growing into little mini colonies by the time this thing even puttered across the, the tile. And I said to my guy that was working for me at the time, he's like, this thing is a turtle. He's like, it does not grow. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That original frag that's was put on there. I'm like, break the whole thing off. I said, mount it down to it and break it in half then and mount those both down to a, to another tile and see what happens. Well, that was like, put the thing on steroids because the original piece, the original tile that was puddled, it covered back over where the original frag was and just started growing like mad. And then the original frag that did nothing. When we broke it in half and stuck it down on the tile, it puddled really Mm. quickly, and it was like they go into a defense mechanism, I guess, where they feel stressed and it causes a a growth spurt or something. I I don't know exactly what the reasoning for it is, but it's, I guess, it's you know similar to a, a fish in the ocean, like a parrotfish coming over and taking a bite out of an acro colony. I'm sure they just go through a you know defense mode and they start healing and growing really fast and sending all their energy to that, to that, um, break or that where it needs to heal. And that just stimulates growth. Um, it's really wild, but we do that all the time when we're having a stagnant growth in an acro, just break a piece off of it and watch yeah, it. I had nuts. a,
0: um, a sunset Millie and you told me to jab it with a, uh, try, try to <laughs> yes. stimulate growth by jabbing it because it was all it was doing was encrusting.
1: And I can't even figure out which one of the colonies was that I told Jake about that, that I took the knife or the screwdriver and just started stabbing the coral. Um, I honestly, it's grown so much and I had, I found, figured out that I had another colony of it and didn't even realize it. And this one here just would not do anything but puddle and stabbing it caused it to grow. And um, so which one of the two is the original one that I stabbed? I couldn't tell you. But it it was like in six months' time it was a completely different coral. Um,
0: here's probably to start incorporating some questions from the viewers here. Um, here's a here's here's, here's a question from Mike H. Uh, Rats Reef uh, mounting new acro frags laid down flat or standing straight up, which is better?
1: Uh, depends. I mean, uh, you know, the more surface area on the tile or the plug, the faster you're going to get. You know you know, a a larger piece out of it. You're going to get more. This is the thing that a lot of people are going to realize with acro frags. You know, in most cases, when you frag an acro and stick it onto a plug, the original fragment doesn't usually grow at all because the original stress is where the frag was originally broken. So their first defense is to go into puddle and, If they don't puddle and the fragment itself continues to grow upwards and there's not enough of a base to hold that coral in place because of the water flow or whatever um, it's just going to end up breaking off so the coral itself builds a base first so if you lay a fragment down on its side that's just more surface area for that coral to grow a base faster so once it grows that base out in all likelihood, it's not even going to grow from that original frag that you lay on its side. It's just going to grow right. out on the puddle and then start shooting branches up as it would normally do if it was, an, if it was a, um, a settled larva, where it's, that's all they do in the beginning. A settled larva will, will settle, then they'll multiply and outward, not upward. And it's always growing out, getting a base, and then the original settled polyp, Will start to grow up and start branching, but it's still growing faster outward to build that base, so that it has um, enough of a footprint to hold it there for the wave action. Um, you know, a big fish swims by. You know, I mean, all it takes is a little bit of a swish of a tail and a small yeah. piece that's not putter enough for it to break off. And that's the amazing thing about nature, man. I mean, they—they—it's you see it happen right in front of your eyes in your own aquarium. And logically think about it: Why does this coral puddle and not? shoot up at all. It's depending on the species of Acropora is going to determine on how fast you get puddling uh, growing on the coral and then how fast it shoots branches up. The thicker the coral, like Aber, Abertonides. Um, it's. I mean, heck, I've got branches that are as thick as my wrist growing. And if I was to take that coral f- and put it onto a plug, it would not shoot branches up off of that original frag at all. It would puddle out probably about a foot, foot and a half before you start seeing anything pop up on it because it's a very thick, branching Acropora. Um, Thinner stuff doesn't need near the base. So um, uh, think about it when you look at your coral. Just say, okay, how thick are the branches when I got it? And, okay, is it going to puddle really big or is it going to stay small and then shoot branches up? And you can usually determine that by looking at the thickness of the branch or even by the species, tenuous you know they get a puddle about that big, and you'll start seeing yeah. branches shoot up yeah. everywhere. Billy's uh, the same way.
0: Yep. Guam reef keeping the stabbing trick worked great for me. I stabbed my garf bonsai that was just encrusting, and it sprouted tons of axial branches.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: I'm glad I could help you out with that one. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of crazy how that just came about. I, I think Jake even told you that story. Um, uh, I think he was even on Reef Bum when he talked about it about me stabbing yeah. the
2: coral.
1: We yeah, went together so. that time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it it, it 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 makes me laugh, but um, you know, it, it works.
0: It yeah. Really does. All right, folks. Um, break out oh. the screwdriver to those slow growing acros and start stabbing <laughs> away.
1: <laughs> if it's just puddling, yeah. stab it a couple times. But I'm not I'm just... not stabbing <laughs> that
0: purple monster. I'm telling you that, but dude,
1: I would either. This is the other thing I noticed with um acros. Um, you, you got to look at the the. the the structure of the of the corallites and the growth, that'll also determine on you know you can really determine that when it comes down to um, how much they're going to puddle. If you have like a, a, my favorite acropora acropora Sahur Sonoy, um, it's a deep water acro smooth skin from only comes from uh, a small area in Bali. It actually was just discovered across the Lumbok Strait, which is just across from from Bali uh, in really deep water as well. Very smooth skin. Coralites get like, I mean, the one I have it right now growing, the coralites are like this long. There's an axial polyp and there's wow. nothing. It's just smooth. Um, and that's the beauty of that coral. But that's that one that I was telling everybody a long time ago that, you know, it's on an 8 by 8 tile. And it literally has been puddling for years. And I tried the stabbing trick on that one there. It works. But they grow about this big and then it stops and doesn't do anything. But certain coral smooth skins are going to need to put a decent base down in most cases before they start growing or will not put a base down at all. And that's the very frustrating part about some of the smooth skins. So every every species is different. It's not going to work um, with every
0: coral, but it will definitely stimulate others. So, all right. Another um, coral that I sent to you was one that you had lost in the – in the uh, the hurricane, the uh, the ACI pink spatulata. So I'm showing I'm showing the uh, the picture of the frag, a video of the frag that I sent you. What happened and, to it? And um, so i have following <laughs> this uh, clip of the frag itself is a uh, is a clip of the uh, the colony in my peninsula tank, which um, I don't know how many months ago that was. It was you know you could definitely see the uh, the pink and some hints of green right because of the uh, the green uh, polyps.
2: The now polyps.
0: fast forward uh this is still um, we're looking at um, um maybe 4 or 5 months ago this is today. The freaking thing is like crazy green. The polyps are like out like you would not believe. Insane. And uh I that, love it. That was not something that you would see when you had it as a colony, right? You did not see that that green. No.
1: I did not. I mean I saw the green, but it, I never saw polyp extension like that on my on the pink spath. Um so um, I know that you didn't have polyp extension like that. So either, we're going
2: to,
0: we're we're going to, we're going to get into a discussion here about oxalic acid because, um, you gave me, you, you, you put that, uh, that thought into my head and I did the oxalic acid treatment. Um, maybe we should kind of like table that discussion in, in terms of, uh, the oxalic acid treatment to, I don't know, we can talk about it now, I guess um we're,
1: no, we can talk about that
0: we're talking about talking corals about... right now so we'll bring it out about down the yeah. road but um, yeah so that was after i did the oxalic acid treatment and the polyps is like one bananas
1: you know it's um, it's it's mind blowing to see how corals react in different systems and how they change in different systems you know and, and we had that pink spath on the farm for a long time cuz it did it was one of those corals that wasn't growing really well for us and then it, it, it just started taking off and it was just, you know, it, it grew and it grew very well, but never saw the polyp extension like you have on yours at the moment. Um, and even the fragment that you sent back to me doesn't have the polyp extension like yours does, but I can see that they're green and I can still see the pink coralites in mine, but I'm looking at your picture. and going, I, I still see the pink coralites in there, but what the heck did you do to the thing, Keith? Because it looks spectacular.
0: Spectacular. Somebody was like, <laughs> I posted that on Instagram. I was like, that's, that's not that's – not, where's the pink? That's like a green Milly. <laughs> you, you should go in there with a turkey baster and close it all up and
1: yeah. take another photo of it and say, well, here's why it's called yeah. the pink's bath. <laughs> It's a beautiful coral, um, and it's even more beautiful now that um, I've seen it look like it looks in your system. And I'm hoping, since I only have a fragment of it, I'm hoping as mine grows out that it it does exactly what yours is doing and just gets you know that spectacular green polyps on it and the beautiful pink in the tips and the edges of all the coralites and starts growing really well for me because I know you've only had it for what a year year and a half. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I I picked it up from you not this past um, April, obviously, but the April before. So, about a year and a half, yep. yeah, yeah, and well,
1: um, good growth
0: out of it. It's that's good. dude. That's under LEDs, man. That's under LEDs.
1: What else could be <laughs> the contributing factor to it?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> pH, pH is a little elevated, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: or stable, should we say? It's, it's stable. stable. Is it 8.29, 8.3? Yeah. Goes up during yeah. the day, yeah. That's yeah. that's the key. Stability in the pH really makes a world of difference.
0: Uh, Enough said. All glasses. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why why are spatulatas so hard to uh, keep? What's what's up with spatulatas?
1: Spatulatas are very common on crystal clear outer reefs. Um, They're also found on inshore reefs, but the ones that I've seen from inshore reefs are not as um, vibrant in color, per se. Um, and now that I listened to Russell Kelly, and not Russell, yeah, Russell Kelly, um, yeah, the spathiolotters are no, not spathiolotters, they're Millipores. Um, And they're basically a lot of corals that were reclassified um, that we thought were different species. And after they've done uh, DNA testing on them, the spathiolotta that we find, what we know as spathiolotta, with its way it's growing, um, cause it, it grows completely different than what we see from most millipora colonies, but because of where they grow on the, um, like majority of the spash we get come from the outer Swains reef, um, in Australia. And those waters out there are pristine. They're crystal clear. They have, um, great you know, upwellings from the, um, um, from yep. the deep because they're right on the edge and they call it the hard line. And um, it makes uh, a world of difference in the growth pattern of it because of the, the, the environment that it's in. So what makes them hard is the fact that we really can't duplicate their conditions. And if you can get one that is captive grown, then you're going to have a heck of a lot better success with um, you know, it growing and doing extremely well right away than what you will from yeah. a wild, say, chop shop frag or a wild colony it's going to take it some time for it to settle in. Like, I mean, every, like we have one called the Scarlet Spatulata. The thing is just fire engine red the whole way through it. And it's a nightmare for me. I mean, we lost it one time and I haven't been able to launch it since. And that was over Mm -hmm. a year ago. And it has not really grown much since then. Um, so I haven't quite figured Spatulata's out yet. I thought I did, but I really haven't. Um, and seeing after seeing what you're doing I'm going damn I'm like I'm supposed to be the one growing these (laughs) things so fast (laughs) but uh, environments um you know are different and with all the things that we've been through and changing with staff and this and that I think that's the biggest contributing factor with reason why some of the stuff that we had that was doing really well had to adjust to the way things were but now they're getting back to where they used to be and I'm hoping that we get them to start you know growing like they were but that's That's probably what the main thing is, is the fact that they come from very clean, clear, pristine waters with a lot of current, a lot of current. And duplicating that's very difficult. Yeah, I've got a lot of
0: flow in that tank. I've got, um, you know, so it's a 225-gallon Peninsula tank. I've got uh, four MP40s and two MP60s in that tank. So it's...
2: It's, it's a good a, flow. It's a
0: bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a washing machine in that, uh, in that tank. Now. <laughs> so um, do you, so do you think that um, in terms of the water clarity you're talking about, um, what about the use of ozone? Do you think that's something that you, you don't use ozone, right? But you have UV.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I use UV on my return pumps um, on my wild systems. And I actually did, did incorporate them into my farms and they've been very beneficial for us. So, they create a little bit of ozone. Um, all UV sterilizers will create a small amount of ozone, oh. so they will help to make your, to help your, help your system. Um, for clarity, um, not just because of the the UV and, and killing you know bacteria and phytoplankton and all that other stuff, the ozone itself will help to keep your nutrients a little bit lower. But it's it's so minute, it's not even something to even consider as being a contributing factor in most cases. But the reason why we don't use UV or um, ozone is. Um, Ozone um, is very reactive with um, one of the most important elements um, in our systems um, and in the ocean um, called bromine. Um, bromine um is uh at 67 ppm, which is what it's supposed to be. And if you put inject ozone into your system and you don't thoroughly carbonate that effluent coming out of your ozone reactor, you will introduce into your system um a byproduct from ozone going into seawater with bromine in it called bromide chloride. Hmm. Um, Bromide chloride can be tested with a pool chlorine test strip. It'll register as chlorine. Um, That's how bad it can be. If you put um, ozone on your reef system you better make sure you're running carbon and making sure that that effluent is going through really heavy, thick bed of carbon because if you don't – you very well could nuke your entire system and you won't even know yeah. why. It's because of o- the brom- Ozone
0: just scares me, you know.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's nasty stuff. I mean, you know, when we used it on our fish systems and we had, especially this time of year, like we're going to be down in the thirties, actually the twenties
0: really? here, And
1: uh, yeah, Christmas morning wow. is only supposed to be 28 wow, degrees.
0: Maybe you get some snow.
1: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> my son's hoping for it. <laughs> but I remember three years ago, we had uh three or four years ago, we had a, uh, a cold snap here in Florida where it was down to like 18 degrees here in plant city. Um, and the one morning we woke up in our, uh, the ozone was so bad inside of our farm that I had to open up all the garage doors and I didn't want to, because it was so cold outside. I wanted to hold any heat we could yeah. hold into the building. We in, because you couldn't walk out into the, into the, into where the farm was because, uh um, I was afraid people were going to burn their lungs because the ozone was smelled so bad and that's what it does. It's an oxidizer. It'll literally fry the inside of your lungs and, and make it hard for you to exchange oxygen. So ozone is not something to mess around with. It's, uh, it's, 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 uh, I don't yeah. recommend it. Let's yeah. Put it that way Yeah.
0: I mean, A little bit right. of- yeah, I mean, I, you know, I use UV on that, uh, tank. I got activated carbon. The water's pretty, yeah, water's pretty fine. clear. Um, Burt Minshew, yeah. uh, what is Chris's hardest acro to keep besides bath <sighs> My
1: nemesis, the Sahar the, the, the hmm. Um uh, The colony that we're, the original colony that we're growing was on an eight by eight tile. And it had grown across the four by four tile. And then I stuck that dead center of two four by fours and let it grow over top of all of that. And um, I've had that coral for Vincent Chalice, from Bali Aquarium sent that coral to me um, eight nine years ago, and I started that coral out when my original farm system in the back was there, and I was running sixty five k with sakis, and I couldn't keep that coral happy. I had to put it in a very far corner of the of the aquarium where it was getting still getting like three hundred par. Pretty good, and there was a halide. Yeah, not too much for that coral. It doesn't like that much part because it does come from about 100 feet of water in most cases, between 90 and 100 feet of water. Um, but I've been growing that exact same coral and I've never in nine years been able to sell a single fragment <laughs> of it because I can't – when I get it big and get it ready to be to the point of fragging, something happens to it. And it's like oh. – it's, it's i call it my nemesis one day that coral will be on the
2: market
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> if it's the last coral i ever put up on the well, market it, it will be that go you will
0: have that figured out <laughs> at some point down the road there um, it's, what it's what uh, what else I to, uh oh, okay so um, what else did i send you i sent you the uh, jackson's rainbow tenuous that that, oh, I um, love that here's coral. a here's a video of a <laughs> uh, of a frag this was like one of the i think original rainbow tenuous out there that um you know was um i think kind of a, a, a local hobbyist in the new york city area kind of brought attention to this he he uh he acquired it and um you know these are this, this video is under uh, 400 watt 20k radians it's got some serious like pink and red coral lights and nice. polyps on the thing and this is like under like you know this is not like heavy blues right this is a uh that's why i love right. about it i mean this is like a true genuine rainbow tenuous that shines kind of like under a full spectrum lighting situation
1: exactly you no know, i it's one of the everybody would um i guess andreas my my guy that, that takes care of my farm he's he's like chris which one's your favorite out of what keith sent you and i'm looking at it i'm going you know i love i love mine the one my originals that he got from me But i'm like this 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 tenuous right here, this Jackson's rainbow is blowing my mind. He's like, ah, it's what I've been saying. He's all excited about it. And he's been watching it puddle and he's Chris. Did you see the Jacksons lately?
2: (laughs) Yes. I look at it every
1: single day. I mean, little does he know. I mean, even though I'm not out in the farm all day long, every day, I go through every one of my systems and I check all my babies. I mean, I, if I didn't look at my corals for one day, something's wrong with me. Like I'm in a bad mood or something's got me distracted because That's my happy place every day, no matter what is going on, no matter how how good of a mood I'm in, I got to go look at my babies. You know, I got to look and see how my corals are doing. And what I don't like about doing that sometimes is sometimes I go to him and say, um, don't tell me, tell me when my coral's over here, this particular coral is looking better because I can't look at it anymore. I've been seeing it go down, 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 make it happy. You know what to do. And and he gets it back to looking good a week later or whatnot. He's like, hey, Chris, you got to go check out the coral. And then, you know, I'm just bumping him and saying, keep up the great work. You know, you love my corals. Like, I love my corals. And that's exactly what I needed to hear at the farm was somebody that, you know, respected and loves the corals as much as I do. Because I honestly get really depressed when I can't, when a coral that I love can't, there isn't happy. And I don't have the time to put and dedicate to them all the time. That's why yeah. he's there. And without him, I had to do it before. And in some cases, they would suffer more and more because of my workload. And um, it's so nice to have somebody that that can do that for me now because uh, he saved a lot of corals. Let's put it that way.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. No, I I think in terms of what you're doing, man, you got to have somebody that you can really rely on that, um, you know, can kind of um, take the load, lighten the load a little bit off of you.
1: That Hershey Porter went down too good.
0: <laughs> well, you got to get Amanda to, like to kind of a... top you off there.
1: Yeah, honey, if you're listening, honey, uh, can you go grab me? She's in reporter, the chat there,
0: you know, so uh, she's watching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not in here because, uh, you know, uh, conflict with the talking back, you know, yeah. she's um, over in another room. So, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's good to have good people. Um, and it's taken a while to get get a team starting to be built back up. And I think the team's on the right path. And uh, I do need one or two more that are going to be the right fits to round off the team. And then uh, I can really uh, focus on wanting to focus on just having had a chance to do it. Um, we have so many things on plan. And some of the things started happening to be at the end of the year here. And I can't wait to start bringing up some of that stuff because uh, all those worldwide customers have been wanting to buy calls for me, like from around the world is what I mean. Um, right. Look out! Look out! It, it might be coming sooner than later. Fingers crossed.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, all right. So I also sent you a few other uh, corals: a uh, a Walt Disney, and yes, um, and a Homewrecker, and a sexy coral's orange passion. What um, What's your favorite out of those three? I mean, those are all like uh, those are like rainbow Tenuous, right?
1: They are. Um, gosh, out of those three, you know, I really used to like the Homewrecker. More than any of those those three. Um,
2: Showing the whole. But after,
1: yeah. But but after having the Walt Disney grow out into a just spectacular colony that I lost over Ian. Um, honestly, it. Thank you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, it 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 blows my mind how a fragment can be beautiful, and then. When you get it into a colony it, it, it can blow your mind even more It's very few of those Tenuous corals that are growing That people go crazy over That I actually like As a colony Because The fragment that most people Are marketing is a tip And that's where the beauty Of most of those corals is Is in the tip right? The growth tip of the coral And the Walt Disney Whatever reason, you know, when Mike when Mike put a name on that coral, he 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 had an amazing piece that he was that he put on the market, and I don't think that that coral will ever grow old in the industry. It will always be something that people love and cherish because of the beauty of it as a full blown colony. Now the Homewrecker, I have to say, between the Homewrecker and the, the, the Orange Passion. Um, I don't know, rock, paper, scissors me on that one because they're still beautiful corals as colonies, but I don't think, in my personal opinion, they are as spectacular. Um, because I've had both the Orange Passion and the um, Home Wrecker finally growing into colonies, and um, well, you, you heard about it and you came to my You and I thank you so much for that because i have got them back and you know it's going to be again i think i've had the home record now for i had it for two years and it was getting ready to be launched i got two more years
0: reaper's code dude <laughs> reaper's
1: code so jason don't worry you know not have to worry about it you know I'm commercially launching it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know and that's um you know i actually i've, I've done some reaper's code stuff with jason fox and um maybe uh it impressed me that he did that with me uh, with my uh firestorm platygyra maze and he sent me another maze back that um he didn't even have a name for yet which was really really unique and i said when you name it and launch it let me know i'll adopt it when i launch it. oh that's cool that's the other thing if if somebody's got a coral that is theirs and it's i'm going to use the name when i sell to my clients you know it's going to have that person's name on it just like you sent me some stuff no wait did you send me everything you sent me already had names on it right yep Yeah. If you ever send me something that doesn't have a name that you had that's like an original reef bum, I'm going to call it the the reef bum, whatever, you know, Um, that's just the way we are here. I don't have to have all the credit. I want the credit to go where it's due. And that's also, in my opinion, part of the reefer's code.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, What was I going to say? All right. So so let's let's talk about some of your stuff that um, is getting you excited on the farm that you guys have been, um, you know, um, raising there's this um, I forgot what you call it, Chris. There's this uh this green Monty that's got this incredible growth on it that was collected by Jake, uh, right?
1: Yeah, Jake collected the Crystal Experiment in 2019. Um he was with Nick from Ultra Corals, as a matter of fact, on about a uh, it was kind of a joke when Jake collected it because um you know Nick was picking on him about why'd you collect the green Monty? It's the green <laughs> Monty and and Jake's like, get back in and see what this thing looks like. And of course they did. And it was like a two meter wide colony on this balmy. And it was just that strain of monopora. And Jake just broke a small piece of it off and because um, it had a really cool growth pattern. And uh, I remember getting in and I picked on Jake about it. I'm like, why did you pick a green Monty? It looks like a Monty cap. He's like, you'll see. He's like, it's aqua tuberculata. And I'm like, where's the spires? Where's the, you know, this? He's like, I just broke the edge of one of the plates off. He's like, so it doesn't have, you know, doesn't have the spires on it. And then, um, I sent it over to him because I imported it for him. And then I sent it over to him. And, um, he kept saying, dude, he's like, I can't wait to send you a piece of this. He's like, you should see it. The spires are growing off of it. It looks really, really awesome. And in, uh, June of 2021, he, uh, I had to send him over a bunch of corals in May, and he's like, "All right, I'm ready to send you a box before it gets too hot out. Um, let's, let's do it now." So he sent me uh, the Manila Spy, the Florida, the the toxic. I'm showing Florida, the Manila Spy um, break
0: that I got from you, which is which grows love freaking weed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is. It is a complete weed. Um, but it's a beautiful coral, and it's got a really cool story, and uh, I'm publishing that on my website, let's, and let's we'll talk, talk about, about that right uh,
0: now. We'll talk about the middle of the spy after the, um, the uh, yeah, Christmas. crystal
1: experiment. Well, the crystal experiment, when Jake sent it to me, I thought it was monopora hirsuta, like the Elkhorn monty that ORA put out in the market. Right. That was just a brown branching um, monty. And um, I'm like, dude, this is a really nice hirsuta. And he's like, it's not. It's the, it's the aqua tuberculata that you— brought in for me that I'm sending you a piece back now. And of course he sent the mineral spy at the same time. And I thought it was Hirsuta. Um, and he's like, just wait until the, the, the crystal experiment after you mount it, after it starts to settle into your system, wait until you watch it grow. And boy, was I ever amazed because those branches, it was a, I don't know, it probably was like two and a half inches across with like four or five branches growing on it. And you never would have known that it was going to turn into what it turned into today because it just all of a sudden, after about a month being at my place, every branch tip started to plate like a really Monte cap.
2: Really cool. bizarre. It's cool.
1: So I had this beautiful green, neon, toxic green branching Monty with Monty cap tips to it, like just perfect round, half round, you know, half moon circles growing on each tip. And then as they grew out, where the shape grew out, a new spire would grow up, and then a new Half moon shape would grow, so it started growing in these layers, and it started actually growing kind of like this. And you saw that original photo; I think you put it up here a second ago. I, I can't see it, but
2: yeah,
1: um, it is such a such an amazing coral, and it's not—I don't know—the the growth pattern of it is what is the beauty of it for me. Of course, uh, I like something you can see from across the room, and this is one you can definitely see from across the room, especially when they grow into a full size colony. And then the habitat that it actually creates for. Invertebrates um, and, and animals, other and fish, stuff like that, because of the growth pattern of it. It's just,
0: you know, what, you, you know, what somebody <laughs> should do just like put one rock in the tank and have that thing in there and just let it grow out. It'd be like one of those NSA aquascapes, right? Yes. It'll yes. look so freaking cool. Uh,
1: it would be amazing. I mean, actually, you wouldn't even need to put a, I mean, if you gonna do anything, get a piece of, uh, um, the, the, what is it, the reef bones or, uh, Jillian Sprung sells it as, uh, 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 stacks rock
2: right right yeah, flat yeah yeah cut
1: pieces. yeah pieces stick one right in the middle of a of a sand bed or bare bottom whatever you want to do and just put one frag of it on it and a year and a half down the road it'll probably be growing all the way around the side of the little nano tank and up the back <laughs> and you're just like
0: that's beautiful that's like a lost art these days in terms of like just having like a, a tank <laughs> with just a handful of corals big colonies in there you just don't see that these days like you did back um you know back Know, years ago in the reef keeping hobby, in terms of, you know, and I think Jake always talked about that too. In terms of the beauty of a reef tank is just something that is mature with these big, large colonies versus just a whole, you know, ton of frags in there. Survival the are... of the fittest. Yeah, yeah, yep
1: You know, um, that's uh, that's always something that is very nice to see when somebody posts a photo. Excuse me, of a um, a mature aquarium and it's just got these beautiful big colonies it and there's only the ten, twelve. 15 different corals in the entire aquarium other than you can see them trying to get more and you see a frag over here and a frag over there and might be too late for that frag to grow (laughs) right up above it's going to shade it out here in no time (laughs) but you know yeah beautiful mature reefs are very very um few and far between anymore Um, you've got them
0: yeah yeah you know and, and it's um it's tough, right? Because you you really you, you got to learn in terms of what corals are aggressive and what corals are not aggressive, and it and it's an art. You you kind of like learn from your mistakes. Um, you know, I've had I've had like the uh, the tubestalata montipora, you know, in my tank, and that like took up a huge huge chunk of real estate. Uh, you like know, weed. I had the green valley Slammer years ago, and that freaking thing grew out of the water, and it and it's yes. t- you know it was like two foot tall and like uh, a foot wide, and it was. Gorgeous, but I had to get rid of it because I, you know, I had other corals that were going to like die because the thing was being so uh, so aggressive. <laughs> so,
1: it, still my still one of my favorite acros, always will be
0: Green Valley Slammer. Yeah, yep.
1: I still have the original strain. Do you like? For, yeah, um, it's funny that coral. I'd ask um, you for
0: a piece, but dude, it, it I don't have the real estate for the. Uh...
1: I'll send you a fragment. <laughs> <big. laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, it's funny on that story on that coral, when Ballygreen Stunner was named, um, I got an original piece of it 20 years ago mm-hmm. and I ended up giving it to a friend. Um, and then when I tore him, when I, when I got rid of that SPS tank, um, he still had it. And then I started getting back in the SPS again mm-hmm. and he was getting out of it. He sent it back to me and then I said, reefer's code, this is all Reaper's code here. He gave it back to me and then. I didn't want it because of how fast it was growing. So I gave him a frag back when he got back into it. And then like six years ago, he gave it back to me again and he got out completely. And he's like, I'm done. I'm never buying another reef aquarium. He's like, I'm done. And so I had grown my piece out that I have now that we offer up for sale about every, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one to farm because I don't want to farm too much of it because uh, you have to have such a big colony to be able to get any kind of fragmentation off of it because it's so yep. branchy. And um, so I just keep one colony, and we put it on the market about every six months. That's about it. Um,
0: keep it in yeah, check. Yeah, yeah. trim it pretty good. <laughs> so uh, what's, what's the deal, man, with the Manila Spy? What's the story behind that?
1: Um, I'm not going to tell the whole story about the Manila Spy. I'll let people go to the website when we put the story up. It's oh, kind I of, want to um, like
0: uh, – yeah,
2: babe. <laughs>
1: It's, it's a funny story, um, and you know, people can laugh about it. Jake and I laughed about it all the time. Um, it, um, it got into the country here legally. That's all I got to say. Um, but it, it, was, it, was, uh, it originated from Manila, Philippines. Um, so anybody that wants to put their you know, the story together, um, it was not something that Jake tried to do. It was something that was done by other people. And when Jake was in Dubai, saw it and was like, I need that coral. And then it ended up getting um, legally imported into the U.S., Um, and Jake then had it and he had a little fragment of it and now he gave me a bunch of it and he's like, he's like, just make sure you put a good value on it first because the first time you sell it and market it, he's like, it's going to be the best money and value you're going to get out of it because after that, everybody's going to have it and it's going to be a weed. It's going to be like the, some of these. Dude, it's like taking over one of my frag tanks. (laughs) (laughs) I believe you. I believe you. Um, put it in some higher flow and it won't grow as thick or as fast. There you so go. that was one of the tricks that Jake did tell me Good about tip. it. And um, it's funny. He told me that and it grew outward, not up. And then it had thicker branches along the base, which was really, really cool to see the different growth pattern. The, because the, the growth
0: corral. patterns on that coral are like just really so cool. Is, really cool. But it's fragile, you know? It is. It is. Yeah. It's like if anybody doesn't – if people don't
1: know what it is, it's like a, um, a branching monopora hirsuta and uh monopora speciosa crossed. And it's very smooth in some areas, but also um rigid and bumpy in other areas. But just this amazing bright ruby red coloration. Um and the the white growth tips really make my Yeah. That that contrast is amazing yeah, on that coral. Really it's one cool. of my favorite corals.
0: Yeah, no. For I, sure. And again, it's like one of those eye catching corals that you can see across from the room, which yes, is so cool. It is. If yeah. you, if
1: it grows big enough and the flow doesn't break it into pieces, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had it any. A... Go I mean, ahead. What? How I, I was
2: like, there? I
0: I uh, I didn't have any luck putting in a more one of my display tanks. I just kept breaking <laughs> it. But it's got to be in a lower flow area.
1: Yeah. If um, if you have a, a beautiful uh, softy dominated aquarium, that's just yeah, like,
2: that
0: would be nice. Barely
2: moving the
1: water, the corals yeah. looks happy. That would be a perfect. SPS coral to throw in one of those tanks because yes. he's not going to have that extra flow. An LPS tank with euphilias in it and fimbrophilias in it would be another great um, aquarium for somebody that wants SPS corals but doesn't want to have that turbulent wash machine aquarium and, you know, um, well, I always say you have to have pristine Parameters, because that's what we do with all of our systems. That's mm-hmm. uh, the ocean. The ocean is pretty much the same when it comes to those parameters. Wherever you go, it's just a matter of whether it's the type of reef that it's growing on. Um, so yeah, it's a perfect tank for an elp, or a perfect coral or an LPS tank um, that doesn't have the turbulent water that an SPS
2: tank has.
0: Um, Eric, Emerald Reef Supply, Manila Spy is self-fragging. Every day a piece gets broken off and put on a plug. (laughs) Amazing. But dang, do I have a lot now. Started with one frag from Chris. (laughs) Hey,
2: hey,
1: everything Jake told me about that coral has 100% come true. And, um, you know, we we don't really sell very many of them anymore because um, the customers of ours that have gotten them – they most of them, um, unless they're just getting corals in and moving them out, if they keep a piece for their display tank, I'll never sell another fragment to them because
0: right. They <laughs> so go got plenty.
1: <laughs> it is what it is. I really don't care either which way. It's just the fact that it's you know, Jake Adams coral. You know, that's my whole thing with that coral. Um, it is something that I I got from Jake, and Jake has a cool story behind it. And uh It was something that he saw in Dubai and had to have, and he made it happen to get it here in the U.S.
0: But you know, um, it's a it's a great coral to spread around the hobby because um, you know it's it's a branching Montipora, right? It's um it's an easier coral to keep, and um, so folks that kind of like want to wet their feet a little bit in terms of getting into the um, you know beginner SPS. Yep, then that's a great great coral,
1: and it's the perfect coral for the reefers' code.
0: It is. It is. So all right, so dude Amanda sent me some pictures uh, of some other uh, acros that um are pretty special in form. Should we talk about those and then talk about a couple of special uh, LPS corals you guys are farming?
1: This sounds good. Um I'm going to bring up one and um, no, actually you you go ahead with what photo she sent you first. So I've got
0: uh, Sweet Dreams oh, Love that coral. What's uh what's Sweet Dreams all about?
1: Uh the contrasting colors on that coral are just spectacular and as a fragment it just I mean, it makes your head explode with, uh, the polyps, the, the, the reddish sartreuse color in the, in the tips and then it fades down to green and then it gets very yellowish in the base and the polyps, um, they're different. You know, they can be, they can be like a white, they can be like, a, I mean, a, an intense white or yellow or intense green.
0: Um, yeah, there's a lot on going on there.
1: It. It's a beautiful coral. Um, and I actually, um, it's so funny about this, the story behind this coral. Um, it was a wild Australian Acropora, and I really liked it. And um, I said to the guys when they were making fragments for our chop shop, acro frags that we sell inexpensive. I said, when you're done cutting this coral, put the frags in the section to heal for the chop shops. And I said, um, save the butt. Okay. If anybody just wants to know what a butt of a coral is, when you cut all the tips off of a coral and you just got this ugly, gnarly-looking piece of uh, skeleton there that you go, why would anybody want to buy that? I want all of them because mm. they're the perfect corals to get growing quickly. And that's how we start a lot of our aquacultured corals. So I ended up then – it was a piece about that big that was left over. And I think we got like 40 to 60 frags out of it if I remember correctly. Wow. And after they healed, I sold them as my – you know, my acro packs and, you know, if somebody went to buy five acro frags, they could buy them at the price we sold them for. And a local store got, got a, um, a 50 lot and he got a couple of them in there and he kept, he's like, well, this one looks special. He kept it and put it in his display tank and we had ours getting ready to be fragged to, to launch it. And I'm going, what the heck am I going to name this thing? And he sends me a picture. He's like, dude, you need to name this thing. If you still have it, the sweet dreams. He's like, because I dream about this coral all the time. (laughs) So um, we ended up fragging our colony down, and I put it out as the ACI Sweet Dreams. And um, when I put the story on the website, you know, I I mentioned Scott from Candy Corals um, that he said he had dreams about this coral. He called it Sweet Dreams. So that's why we call it the Sweet Dreams, is because of a customer that got a chop shop and loved it so much that he kept it. And then we had ours growing out. And when he saw ours, after ours grew out, he's like, "That's what mine's gonna look like when it grows out." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Wow." He's like, "There's even more color in it." So um, it's a beautiful piece, and we've had it for probably three years now.
0: It's very unique. You know what? What kind of um, what kind of acro is it?
1: Any I'm not going to try to put a name on any acropora anymore unless it's obvious. Because um, after Vincent Challes and I had a conversation about Russell Kelly and um, what they found over in Australia with. Um, uh acropora the genus acropora and how everything's been twisted around and turned upside down um i can't even call an acropora echinata an acropora echinata anymore because it's no longer acropora echinata it's acropora awi and i'm going uh, what <laughs> <laughs> you know I, don't, I can't call acropora spatulata spatulata anymore because it's now called millipora um hyacinthus um is was supposed to be you know all over the, or no, in central locations, but now it is everywhere they thought different species were. So uh. until they realize, until they organize that whole mess that's been created um, with um, modern science versus um, Charlie Varone's yeah. life's work and yeah. taxonomy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I love Charlie though, because Charlie's rebuting all of this and he has legitimate reasons why. And Russell's going, you know, Charlie rebutted this one here. He's like, he's got a legitimate reason. He's like, I I respect Charlie and all the work that he ever did. And um, I still have to, you know, he makes me think even harder, even though we did do DNA testing on a lot of this stuff and found that the DNA is different. Right. Um, but his points are valid as well. So um, I'm going Acropora SP, unless I know it is Acropora <laughs> Tenuous, Acropora, you know, even Acropora Young Eye, which was the bally Green Slimer. Yep. It's, not long, it's no longer Young Eye. <laughs> really? Wow. All right. Um, there's, there's so many that have changed. It's. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you because I just started even going through it. And then the link that Vincent gave me uh, expired. So oh. now I've got to find find it all over again so I can continue researching on it and maybe learning a little bit more about what has changed. So um, anybody that wants to say they know what species they have on Acropora, uh say you're wrong. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know I'm wrong when I say you, when I tell you what I think it is. So uh, it's 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 um, that's all great. I love the fact that they're doing this and learning more about you know what yeah. we actually have in, in our amazing reefs. But um, Dang on it, I, I thought I knew my acros really well, and now I feel dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're all uh, it. You know, the great thing about this uh, this hobby is that you learn something new every day. And um okay. it's uh there's just there's, there's just so much yeah. to observe. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Um all right, a couple more and then we'll get into a couple of the uh the LPS and then we gotta talk yes, about oxalic acid. Yes sir, uh, yes sir. If we uh if we have the time. I think we Oh we, we'll be able we, to we got we got the time. i all can right. go all night, Keith.
1: Five hours the one guy said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you know, if we go all night, then I we're going to need to take a pee break and um maybe another beer break, but uh, I don't think we're going to be doing that. <laughs>
2: I don't think we will either. <laughs> um,
0: all right, Shenanigan Acro. Oh,
2: Shenanigan. This looks like
0: a uh, that looks like a um a, a, a tyree pink lemonade. In terms of the uh, the polyps, uh, the pink polyps and the um and the purple or the um and the yellowish um uh, tips and coral lights. No, or
1: I've never seen a pink lemonade look like that. Cause I, I had somebody else say the same thing to me. I'm like, but I want somebody to show me a colony of pink lemonade that is even remotely close to it. Um, I don't think it's the same species. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right.
0: Look. The, uh, the growth pattern is different. I think it's yep. uh, The pink lemonade's more of a denser um, growth. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: This thing is the bright one of the brightest acros. I mean. You don't really consider red a, a color that can be bright. You know, I mean, if you think about it, it it's not really – unless it's a, a highlighter red. This thing's polyps are so bright red, and the yellow is so highlighter yellow in person. Um, I, I remember when I was putting photos up of my ORA pearl that I was so happy were grown out. I'm showing off the is pearl, pearl Is that a pearlberry in front of it? It is. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> the it. The shenanigans was behind it, and I'm going to check out these beautiful lineage – Pearlberries, and everybody's going what's that in the background and i'm going (laughs) i know that one in the background is beautiful but it's it's not even close to being ready to offer up for sale and um you know the shenanigans we, we uh i forget why we called it the shenanigans but um amanda coined that name on that coral and and we were just drooling over it after the photos that she was editing the one time and she's like looks like shenanigans to me or something like that and I'm like that's the name for it <laughs> so luckily we imported the photo and we laid, named that file shenanigans because I would never remember that and um, I was going through files a couple of weeks ago and I'm like oh the shenanigans Daniel just fragged that one up I couldn't remember the name of it and Dan put it in as red and yellow acro I'm like now I gotta have him go change it so we know that the shenanigans is coming up. So that's gonna be released for the first time in January. Actually, we'll release it the first uh when we come back from break. Um, we're gonna release the shenanigans, the sweet dreams was released once. We'll release that one again. And then there's another one you're gonna mention here that I can't wait to release for the second time. Yeah,
0: I wanna I wanna show that one. Um Mark oh. Mark Vanderwall, Pink Lemonade and Shades of Fall were were uh, Shades of Fall were tablers for me. Interesting, yeah.
1: Yes. Very true. This one here is a very bushy Acropora. Um, very, very beautiful. Very beautiful. Different different growth patterning altogether than what the pink lemonade was.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. All right. So uh are we talking about very, the very. chameleon or very berry?
1: Oh, chameleon. I'll talk about the chameleon. All right, chameleon. chameleon.
0: Like the most, this thing looks, wow. It's unbelievable. Like that. Yeah. Wow. I
1: call it the chameleon.
0: Does it changes color?
1: All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, the photo was taken, that photo was taken, I think, um, August, maybe, maybe July. If I, if I brought you to the farm right now and I took that photo and showed it to you on my phone and you looked at chameleon right now, it looks completely different. It's still absolutely stunning, but it does not look like, like you can tell it's the same coral by the growth pattern, but the color, it's almost like it shifts all the time like this branch will shift colors around and then this over here will shift colors around so i can't even justify launching it until i see what it really is going to do and maybe it will stay and be like a chameleon for everybody that has it depending on their flow their light and different you know water parameters um and now that the systems are tuned in with our minor and traces it's turned into what it turned into
0: uh all right Mark Vanderwall, holy moly, the chameleon, exclamation point. Mike H. Ratsy sick. Corey Page, insane, exclamation point. Eric Emerald Reef Supply, take my money now, <laughs> smiley face. Corey Page, uh, smile, grin there. Um, <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Thank you, guys. I mean, it's uh... – it's uh, nice to get good feedback i mean I, I if I took a picture today, you all go, that's not the same coral, but <laughs> if you looked at it close, you'd be like that is the same coral. it's um amazing um
0: Mike H uh, Rats Reef, take my firstborn that's uh <laughs> I believe what you were saying there, Mike <laughs> yeah, there you go first, okay um yeah, dude, Whoa.
1: I think my next step with that coral is because it's not a, it's not very big. I mean, it might look big in that in that video or that photo, Photo, no. um, but it is only on a two and a half inch tile. So it's probably about two and a half inches tall by maybe three inches wide at the
0: widest point. You got to, you got to frag it, man. So it'll grow quicker.
1: That's my next step. Um, I think what I'm going to do with it, I'm going to frag it um, and then I'm going to make uh, three or four more tiles of it. Yeah. And then I'm going to put it in different lighting scenarios.
0: You need some backups of that thing.
1: Oh yeah, when I, I well, I'll send a piece. You know what? Maybe I'll break a frag off for your care package coming next in two or three weeks. Um, <laughs> see, see what you can do. With it. See if the chameleon lives up to its name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to put some under sixty-five k wasakis. I want to see what happens to it there. Does it turn turd brown, and grow like a weed, or does it actually hold some color into it? Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, that's what I love about what we do is you take a coral that's been growing and doing well, and then you can move it all these different areas to see so you have it in different systems. And sometimes you have no reaction. Other times you have completely different reactions by the coral itself and it changes. And, um, that's the interesting thing about reefing is your home wrecker might look this way in your tank, but in my tank, it looks completely different. And I see it all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got a home homewrecker in, um, in my, uh, under my halides, and I've got a home wrecker. Well, I had a home wrecker in my, uh, in my LED tank, and, um, it, it uh, started RTN, STN, and that's what we'll talk about the alkaline gas acid yep. treatment, but I was able to save it. But it looked a lot different. Probably better under my LEDs versus the halides, at least to, to my eyes. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right. Very, very. Very, very. Whoa. What is that, dude? It's stupid.
1: It's a table acro. <laughs> And Ooh. I have some California customers that have um, that are big maintenance companies. And the one guy is begging me almost monthly to just break him a fresh frag off of it and send it because he's got customers that absolutely love the coral and they want it for their He the, This guy takes care of tanks 500 gallons and larger and his biggest tank that he takes care of is 5000 gallons. And the owner of that tank um, went on my website and was able to see the very, very photo. And he's like, I need that coral. (laughs) This was five months ago. And I sent my customer a fragment of it. And, um, of course it went right into that gentleman's tank. And he was very, very thankful and grateful that I was breaking one off for him. But, um, it's been, uh, I think I released it last year, this, uh, this year, but it was in the beginning of the year. And now we're going to release it again, the beginning of the year. Um, that was one of those corals that really, um, browned out during the, uh, it's a big colony. I'm surprised I didn't lose it. because oh, of the, the water power dialect. outage? Yeah, it, it did really well. Um, it just turned totally brown. And I made Daniel frag it because I said, don't, "Don't, dude, frag it because I know for a fact that from the time you frag it to the healing process till we can sell it, it'll get all of its color back into it. And, of course, I was right. I went back and looked at it right before break, and I'm like, we're launching the very berry um, at <laughs> the beginning of the year. Can't wait to do it. And it's been fragged for it was fragged for five weeks and I had some of the best puddling I had ever seen off of an Acropora, that particular one. Um, I guess it was from the stress it was under during Ian. And then the fact that we fragged it which stressed it out again. And then it just, I mean, it went into total steroid mode. Like you were shooting steroids in the tank every day and it's just like puddled across the plug almost completely in five weeks. I'm like, how in the hell did we do that? (laughs) (laughs) But Hey, um, I don't
0: know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> nah, I don't think so, dude. You're an amateur. I love You're an amateur. I love um, <laughs> Blue Reef. Oh, where are the thumbs up? All right, yeah, everybody hit that thumbs up. We got 77 likes. so Let's get to 100. All right, yes. let's get to 100 likes. We got a lot of people watching here, so we should be able to get to 100 likes. Um, all right, dude, let's switch gears. LPS, yes. you've got a very special, um, very ah. special thing going on here called the Prince of Darkness, and I'm showing it right now, the video. You know it's so weird,
1: but as soon as you started talking about LPS, and I knew you, I knew the first coral that you were going to mention was the Prince of Darkness. I got goosebumps all over my body. It is absolutely <laughs> my favorite of all time, Euphilius. Uh, I don't care if people don't like it because I like <laughs> the odd and unusual, and the absence of all color to me. In with all that amazing color that Euphelias come in, just sets it off even more to me because it's just not something you see every day, and it is named the prince of darkness because under all blues this bad boy is basically black um
2: That's and pretty if sick. you
1: if you look closely at it when the, in the flow under all blues it does have like um, para encora and Cora, uh, have this most of them have a really cool pattern inside below the polyps and they have like this kind of star pattern in them that is like green most of the time, or in some cases it's yellow with the color of the base. This has like a, almost a turquoise blue star in the middle of it um, when it's really fully extended and it is just super cool. And under whites, it kind of has this purplish sheen to it. Um, I think it looks more gray silver Um, But if you put a good blend of blue LEDs, and then I use my radiums, which I I consider the radiums white compared to what a royal blue LED is. Full spectrum.
0: It's full spectrum, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly exactly it looks spectacular under a true full spectrum lamp um it's got that like purplish look to it um and you can see the blue inside as well when uh the flow is right and you can see in, in between the the tentacles of the polyps
0: um, um like Gay rat's reef prince of darkness is sweet brian at saltwater aquarium it's absolutely amazing in person uh um, so brian reese richard laugh out loud i remember you going off on that coral last week question mark we spoke <laughs> over the phone Reef the Sea Forever, wow. Mark VanderWaal, The Prince of Darkness is awesome. Uh, Rob B's Reef, not a fan. You know, I guess uh, it's uh, Tohicha's own, right?
1: Hey, I've had more people like it than not like it, so I think it's a win. Um, even if it's not, I'll still cherish it for as long as I can have it, you know, because it's just a unique— It's
0: unique, right? That's the uh, cool different. thing. It's different, right? You don't exactly. see that.
1: You don't, you know? And, and that's— you know, I want to go back to Jake here. You know, that was the stuff that Jake and I s- enjoyed. And Mark is listening to this and he can attest to this as well. The, some of the corals that Jake liked, there's not a single person on this, in this hobby that would want a piece of it for their aquarium, except for people like me, people like Mark, people that loved corals just for the coral shape, the growth pattern. It doesn't have to have phosphorescent colors for um, right. me to absolutely love a coral. Um, Even though, don't get me wrong, I love the bright, beautiful phosphorescent corals, but it's about the coral itself. And um, having the the Prince of Darkness um, just kind of pop up from nowhere, Um, 15 polyps grown out. We fragged up three tiles that were all individual polyps. So there was three polyps that we ended up fragging up into 57 polyps after nine months of growth. Um, so we did a soft release for our sale and we're going to put them on the market now. Um, hopefully continuously and not go off the market because, um, I think we've got to frag down. There's probably a good 300 plus more polyps there to break down that all grew from the original 15.
0: Yeah, no, it's, that's amazing, man. And how long did it take you, um, to, to grow that stuff out to, uh, to the point where you had frags uh, for sale?
1: We had it originally. Um, We put it on the farm. It was about uh, August, and it was just a single polyp on each of those tiles. And then in February, we had some issues with our euphilias, if I remember correctly, and we can get into that discussion a bit more when we talk about the OA. But um, I put the, the princes on the farm at 15 polyps in February. And here we are, now December, and we fragged, well... I, I estimate we have roughly 300 polyps that had grown wow. from those original 15. Um, I could be give or take some. I mean, because every one of them grew a little bit differently, you know. So it could be a little bit more than the 300 available, that are going to be cut down, or it could be a little bit less than the 300. I just have to sit in there and break them down themselves. And while we're at it, if somebody's telling you they aquacultured a para paraancora, and they don't have tissue down the entire <laughs> stem or skeleton area of that fragment that you're getting called bullshit on them because every single one of these Daniel frags these miniature colonies up and I'm going, dude, you're normally like really fast at doing this. I'm like, what the hell is taking you so long cutting up these doggone euphilias? So euphilia, why are you taking so long to get them? He's like, these snot balls. I can't hold them in my daggone hands because there's so much tissue going down the stem that it was so slimy, he couldn't keep them in his fingertips to mount them onto the glue. And the other cool thing about, I had a customer call me when he got his um, Prince of Darkness uh, last week. He's like, how do you have tissue encrusting over top of the glue? I'm like, it's an aquacultured euphelia. He's like, I've gotten aquacultured euphelias before, and they didn't have tissue encrusting over the glue. I'm like, well, then it was probably just a chop shop that they called aquaculture, and yeah. you got duped. You got duped, bottom line. Um, all of our aquaculture femorphilias and euphilias will always have tissue if it's not down to the glue it's either over the glue or just barely above the glue because of um, you know the way we had to cut the fragment but it's it's wild
0: Um, so Eric emerald reef supply I like this guys Funny guy, I don't know who he is, but uh, I got one. He's a good guy. I got one of the soft. He's talking about the Prince of Darkness. I got one of the soft releases. Um, another sales failure went into my personal tank with a uh, smile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew uh, Drew Young. This is a very important thing. What we're going to talk about at the end, but uh, please have Chris or Amanda plug how to get ACI corals. How do you, you know, yeah, how do successful hobbyists get them? How do they find your stuff, dude?
1: Um. Talk to your local fish store. Um, we strictly sell wholesale to local brick and mortar fish stores or to stores and companies that have legitimate active online websites and it has to be their sole source of income. Like it's their it's they're dedicated to it. I don't want somebody, we don't sell to somebody that's just a hobbyist that has a frag tank off to the side that sells frags on the side. That's not a business for us. We do everything we can to protect our brick and mortar stores and and companies that are dedicating their livelihood to, you know, their sole source of income is their, their business. Um, And it's funny because people say, well, how would you even know that? Well, dude, they slip through the cracks? Yes. And when we find out about it, it's always from another storefront or from another company that's like, dude, they're not legit. They buy coral from me and they don't have a, a business and I hate being duped, but it happens on occasions. And then, you know, Sorry, but if somebody lies to me about being their sole source of income in their business, then they go to log in one day and it's no longer va- active. I delete their account without even talking to them because I felt like I was disrespected. Yeah. So I I respect all of my businesses that we do business with that are legitimate businesses, not just a, you know, guy with a full time job and a and a fry tech. That's not who we sell to. Yeah. So you have to have a legitimate company to to buy from us. Yeah. Um, do I have a soft spot for people that want to get gone and they want their they want a business to be their sole source yes i do but you better be close to that point because if you get caught <laughs> it, it's game over, over. You never do business
2: game over yeah
1: um i am the one all be all decide all on who i do business with and uh you know uh I'm, I'm very very generous sometimes and it bites me in the rear end and um, I always I always make it right because I can't afford to affect my brick and mortar stores and legitimate companies that do business with us. I can't jeopardize that relationship. And um, that's one of my biggest things that I'm very strict with and making sure that I, I take care of the people that take care
0: of me. Makes total sense. All right, man, we're going to talk about one more LPS and then uh, we're going to talk about oxalic acid. Um, golden rainbow para... How do you pronounce it, dude? I can't even... Para- para-ancora. para okay.
1: This... Fimberphilia para-ancora. It's another um, euphilia.
0: Um,
1: it was reclassified as fimberphilia. Um, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Um, but it is a branching hammer coral. Oh, wow, a and... branching
0: hammer. Look at that thing. Holy smokes.
1: Yeah, same thing as the Prince of Darkness. It's a branching hammer coral. And it is... <sighs> I see... You know, I'm fortunate. You know, uh, one of the things that I love about what I do is we, we import corals and my addiction gets the best of me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my suppliers know that I have an addiction for new and unique and beautiful corals. And um, I got one that I'm going to launch probably in the next six months. That's another para-ang coral that will actually probably make everybody's head spin. Because I still can't wrap my head around where the colors have come from on this coral. Um, But this one here is another one of those corals that I still can't wrap my head around where all the color came from. Because I don't remember it looking like this when we put it on the farm. And I think it was probably about 10 polyps that we put on the farm. And it was just a common gold hammer that came in. And as we kept sitting on it, and it kept growing from that one polyp out into four, six, 10, 20 polyps on one fragment. All these colors started coming in that were like the green, the turquoise, the pink, and then the bright gold tips. And then down in the body, it's like almost like a purple or black. And I'm just going, what is this? And and this isn't even the best one of them. This is like the second best when it comes to the (laughs) – no, no, no. This is like the third best of the color Morse of Branching Hammers that we have. And I think it's mind-blowing. The one that I really can't wait to launch is the Orange Rainbow which I have to call, I don't know what,
0: um, the holy hell
1: acro. <laughs> or holy hell. Holy hell. The holy
0: mackerel. Uh...
1: Oof, it blow, it'll blow people's minds. And then we got the other one that I'm going to launch down the road. There's a lot of really awesome corals coming up down the road, but the golden rainbow is very, very unique. And I actually had a customer send me a text message. Um, he got the coral on Friday of last week. And he's like, he didn't do the ordering. And he goes, we only got. Um, he's like, one of these, one of these, uh, one of these hammer corals isn't a isn't a uh, a golden rainbow, and I'm like, well, of course it's not. It's it's uh, just a g- common gold orange that we sell that are wild. We chop the polyps off, mount them to a plug, and we sell them for you know a decent you know a, a fair price. And um, I said, you ordered two of my golden rainbows, and you ordered two of the what we call gold orange. I'm like the two gold orange aren't even close to the golden rainbow. If you look at them closely. And I said, so that's why you're not getting four of them. You only have two of them. And he got back to me and he's like, Whoa, dude. He's like, I didn't even realize it. he's like, they had the white lights on." I, he's like, I turned off the the whites and just had all the blues on. He's like, and those two outshine every other euphilia in the entire aquarium. Wow. Other than his favorite one is also the Prince of darkness. He got that as well. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, Aquaculture versus wild, major differences on Uphelius. I mean, it's amazing the colors we're pulling out of some of these corals. It just, um, I'm so fortunate that we have people that care, like I said. And um, I got Gene, Gene from Reef Labs. He is a godsend to me and my chemistry because without him, who knows what my corals would look like. I'm sure they would look fine, but (laughs) dialing everything in from week to week and two years of doing it has been a huge Huge learning experience. Understanding that people that say minor and trace elements are not necessary for your aquarium. Why don't you go back to school and think about what the ocean has in it and why the ocean has it in it and why we don't put that same thing in our aquarium?
2: <laughs> Dude,
0: you, uh, you know, you, you, got me to turn around on that stuff. I, I never dosed uh, miners and traces, and now I'm doing it. You know, the captivate uh, stuff, okay. and um, I'm noticing some big differences for sure.
1: It's not hard either. I mean, you don't have to dial it in, dial it in like I do. I'm a, I'm a geek. I want to. I have the resources to. It's my farm. It's my livelihood. You're a, If you're a hobbyist, if you're just putting in minor and trace elements according to what the manufacturer recommends and you're just doing an ICP test after 10 days like Chris says to and then doing another one, um, what, what I think he recommends it, what, two weeks after that, and you get it dialed in where you're not elevated in any of your levels and then you do a test once a month. Think about it this way. If you're putting minor and trace elements in and you get that kind of dialed in, don't ever do another water change. There's no reason to, unless you got a astronomical amount of nutrients in your water and you have to to get rid of that. Do the minor and traces. It's pennies a month. A water change is dollars per month yeah. or tens of dollars yeah. per month or Can hundreds yeah. of dollars per
2: month.
1: Yeah. Dose minor and traces and don't ever do another water change. You don't have to. We don't. I haven't done a water change on the 5,000 gallon farm system and. Four months, five months.
0: Really? How's that working up?
1: Uh, okay, I lie. I can't <laughs> say I don't do any. I mean, I got one of my employees that is trying to get his tank dialed in, and he had it's so messed up. He takes twenty-five gallons of water from that system every week. So, I mean, if you talk about a water change, that's like what thousands of a percent water change weekly.
0: It's Like peeing in the ocean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know. Major water changes is what my point being is. You don't have to do any major water changes. If you dial in and get your pH stabilized and, um, start dosing a minor and trace supplement that you trust and do a reflabs ICP test, you know, in the very beginning, the money you're going to spend is going to come back tenfold because there's no reason for you to do any of the water changes. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's all there.
0: All right, dude, we're going to talk about one more coral and then we're going to get into the OA discussion. Um, uh Richard is asking uh, me to ask you about the insane Bauer bankie from Nick. Oh, Amanda's
1: Amanda I, I don't have a don't have a video though. or
0: picture of that.
1: Maybe Amanda can shoot you one real quick. She's listening to this. Um I know she's got pictures of that coral. It's one of her favorite corals in the entire farm. It's actually the the Banky that that turned me into a bower addict. Um <laughs> I think we got like Fifty different color morse of bower on the farm now and I think that's going to continue to grow as I keep getting more in but uh, Richard thanks for bringing this one up because this is one of those corals that uh, you know it, it's an addiction again but it's it's one of those things that if people would have seen it, what had happened to this colony that we have now and when we got it as a fragment in 2019 it was actually MACNA 2019 um, is when we got this coral and um, it, it was uh, just a three-polyp fragment of Bauer-Banke. Um, we almost lost this coral three different times um, to some sort of a bacterial infection. and That's um, a great segue. It is. It is. <laughs> um, and, and, and Oxalynic comes right into play with this. Um, we, we Also, the Chemiclean dipping that we um, have been doing for three or four years now, but um, the, the, this Bauer-Banke is um like a bleeding apple on steroids um i keep using that word but <laughs> <laughs> it literally is purple black green red yellow molted throughout the entire colony now and it's it's completely encrusted over a four inch um uh frag tile and it had uh, it would probably be a lot bigger than that if it wouldn't have gone through the issues that it had gone through. But it helped me learn so much about corals and what to do to treat corals because I know my mission was – because I know Amanda loved that coral. And I knew what Nick from Ultra Corals wanted to sell it to me for, but he ended up just giving it to me and, and requested photos of it every six months so he could see it growing out. Um, it was an expensive piece of coral. Let's put it that way. Um, and we grew it out, and we, we continue to grow it out. But we almost lost it. It got this white banding in it. And it wouldn't, um, it, it was just shrinking up and not opening up. And we started doing chemi-clean baths on it uh, for 30 minutes every single day. And we did that for about three weeks. And every day of the week, we let it rest all weekend long. And we cured it. It, is, it came back and was starting to grow like a weed again. And then um, for whatever reason you know, about six months later, it happened again to it. And we started doing the exact same thing and it was working extremely well. And, um, it took a little less time to, to fix the problem because we caught it sooner and knew what to do. Um, and then this last time, which is about three months ago, um, Andreas came to me, he's like, Oh, Chris, he's like the Bauer bank. He's not looking good. He's like, um, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I want you to chemi clean it. And I said, and then I want you to let it rest for a day. And then I want you to put it in oxalic acid for 24 hours. I said, and then just put it back in the system and let's let it sit for a week and see what happens. Um, that's actually the only thing we did to it was we put it in chemically clean once the next day we put it in oxalic acid for 24 hours and put it back in the system. And we watched all the color come back into it. We watched it blow up like a balloon all wow. over again. Um I hope Amanda can send you a photo of it quick. I don't know if you'll be able to process it and get it up there on the uh, screen, but um, spectacular. It's like the – um, I hate saying holy grail, but it's like the holy grail of Bauer Bankies to anybody. Actually, I think the other one that I have, that's yellow and blue and orange, is probably makes that one look like a – I don't know. It's, I guess the eye of the beholder.
0: Beautiful color. Yeah, if Amanda can text it to me, then maybe I could just hold up my phone to the uh... – I, I know what
1: she's doing right now she's looking hard for it
0: <laughs> um do, can, can uh can we keep going man and talk about oxalic acid or what do we save that for another show i guess we should we've been teasing it we got to talk about it right
1: it's only nine o'clock let's go
0: <laughs> ten to nine.
1: Ten to nine we, i got time i'm ready to go if you're keith it's your show buddy whenever you're ready to go you just let me know i, I can talk for hours and hours and hours you know that
0: I do know that. Does <laughs> so <is> everybody here? <laughs> all right, so we, um, so I had both um, Sanjay on and Mike Paletta on a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about, um, you know, two weeks. two weeks ago. All right, and and we talked about, you know, how they had some RTN and STN uh, episodes, and and um, you know, Mike solved his problem by using uh, Cipro, and and I think. um uh, you cringed <laughs> and, Scary and, stuff. and and sanjay um i think uh basically was um you know he did some like large uh water changes he tried the oxalic acid treatment it didn't work for him um but um so i had a situation right well right, let, let, let's let's back up here you're you're the one that first um, you know started using the oxalic acid. What what is oxalic acid, and um, how did you first discover it, and and um, what is it?
1: Okay, this is going to go back to the originator of the the method of using oxalic acid. Um, this all this all was devised because of um, elegant corals. Okay, I know a lot of people in this hobby industry. Um, especially people that import corals, getting elegance corals from Indonesia is, um, uh, it's a crapshoot. And, um, because for whatever reason, there's an issue or bacterial infection that they, that they get. And, um, nobody's been able to figure out how to fix that problem. And, and, you know, Julian sprung amazing man that he is. And all the things that he has done for this industry, he's been just uh, pulling his hair out, (laughs) trying to figure out why elegance corals are such a problem when he remembers, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even longer than that, that elegance corals used to be considered a beginner coral. You know, they were easy to take care of. He never had any problems with them. And Julian had some beautiful elegance corals and had gotten some, you know, donated to him that were unique and all of a sudden they were getting this, what we, what he coined or somebody coined the elegance coral syndrome. And it's a, um, a bacterial infection that affects elegance corals to the point of they blow up like a balloon, but their tentacles shrink. And I always call it the fat tentacle disease where they didn't get long and flowy. They were short and stubby and the coral basically looked like a blob with stubby little tentacles on it. And once they got that, we knew that they were doomed. They were done. There's nothing to fix it. I tried everything I could possibly think of. I tried oxalonic acid. I tried nitrofurazone. I tried a bunch of different things. And I, I didn't try oxalic acid. I'm sorry. I tried ChemiClean and I tried nitrofurazone, but never knew anything about oxalonic acid. And Julian sent um, to the Frost Science Museum to Zach Ransom, who is uh, was the was one of the um, head curator. He was I don't know if he's the curator, but he's one of the head aquarius there maintaining and taking care of um, the, the reef exhibits. And they had QT systems and they were working with all of these really, really hardcore antibiotics on uh, Caribbean reef corals that they had gotten, gone through all the leaps and bounds to get permits to collect, to bring back to the Frost Science Museum to hold like a dendrogyra pillar coral. They collected the last of the, sp- of the known colonies on the reefs to keep them so they could learn to spawn them and then reintroduce them down the road. So that the piece, species didn't become extinct in the Florida keys. And they used some nasty antibiotics like Cipro and like, uh, I can't think of the name of the one, but they had to use hazmat suits and actually have a permit to even acquire it. <laughs> um, and, and he tried that on elegant cause and it didn't work. And, he, and he's just like, I don't know what to do. So the, the veterinarian then was trying to isolate different strains of bacteria found on them. And, for whatever reason, I don't know the exact reason why they decided Zach and the veterinarian decided to use um, oxalic acid, and they devised um, a dosage for a one-hour
0: bath. And, and oxalic acid is a common treatment to treat fish disease in koi, right?
1: It is super common. Like most places, pond supply stores that would sell um, koi would probably stock oxalic acid at their, at their place to for people to put into their koi ponds if there was a bacterial outbreak, because it's very, very commonly used there. And this was just an experimental thing right. for Zach and the veterinarian. So the great thing about this is Zach's, Zach's a marine biologist. Um, I think he's also a marine scientist. And then his veterinarian there, they're the ones that came up with this plan. They wrote a little journal about it. They sent it to me, and um, Julian told me about it. And then I couldn't do the one-hour bath. Um, frame wise, it was a little bit more difficult for me. So I tweaked the method a little bit with the math that I know how to do. And I, it actually worked extremely well. And I was extremely um, grateful for their initial results and their studies. And then I took it a step further for like, a um, you know, a 24 hour type bath versus a one hour bath. And I got the exact same results in a shorter period of time. Than what Zach and the veterinarian at Frost Science had gotten. And I was curing elegance corals left and right. So that blew my mind. And when I started seeing other issues on other corals, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, nitrofurazone didn't work. <clears throat> but nitrofurazone didn't work on elegance corals. So let's try it on euphelius. So when we got euphelius that came in in rough shape. We put them in the oxalic acid bass and wow, blew my mind. But I never would put it in as a full treatment for a system. And Jake begged me to teach him how to use it. And I told him I promised I swore to secrecy with Julian sprung and I'm a man of my word. I'm not going to go against what Julian wants. (laughs) Uh, I said, let me talk to Julian first. So I called Julian and we talked about it and said, give it to Jake and see what Jake does with it. Um, you know, Jake's like me. He wants to know more. You know, Jake was yeah. exactly like me. We that's why we clipped so well. That's why we got along so well. And we talked all the time. We bounced ideas off each other's heads. And when I gave him the, the treatment, he put um, he tweaked it a little bit farther than what I did for the bath. And then everything was going great. And um, his euphylias and his uh, one tank, he dipped them. They would look amazing. And then he dipped them again. A month and a half later, they'd go south again. And He's like, I'm going to do it in the whole system. What do you got to lose? If I don't do something, I'm going to lose them anyhow. How big of
0: a uh, like, system?
1: It was 50-some gallons. It's not a
0: big
1: system. Yeah, it was like a 50 cube. And I'm like, I need to do it on my farm because I know I see the same things that are on the imported corals on some of my farmed corals that were problematic for me when that, when that farm got set up. And I had moved them from the meadow halides and T5s to the LEDs, and those cores started to die with this bacterial infection. And, of course, the metal halides cured the problem for the most part, but it didn't fix it completely. And I said, I'm going to treat my whole system. And Jake's like, don't do it. Just, dude, you got got 5,000 gallons, bro. He's like, let me do my 50-some-odd-gallon system. So it actually – I didn't even treat my system. I think it was like four more months after he did his first initial treatment because we didn't know what was going to happen long term. And we still don't know what's going to happen long term. And I want everybody to understand that. You know, this was experimental. It's – we have no ill effects whatsoever. It's still experimental. I don't – it is. It is. But it's And been experimental in a very good way because I've gotten in – only one person that tried it did not get crazy positive outcome from it. And I think I've told five or six people how to do it. But – Jake did his tank and it's looking freaking awesome. And three weeks later, pop started retracting again. He's like, but dude, he's like, it's just not, it's not, it's not going away. So, um, I said, okay, I always known treatments to go in, you know, threes, do three treatments. Right. And he's like, all right. He's like, so what should we do? And I'm like, I think you should do the same exact dosage since you saw good results. I said, but I think you should do it one day, rest a day. Do it again on the third day, rest of the day, and then do it again. And I said, then run, you know, run carbon and your protein skimmers in between treatments and let's see what happens. And I think I gave him three months. And he's like, ah, everything's looking phenomenal. And here I am still pulling my hair out, losing torches and going, <laughs> I need to fix my problem. That's all I want to do it. I don't want to kill any more of my corals. <laughs> And I finally, I was just like, I'm doing it. I don't care. I didn't tell anybody in the whole entire facility because I knew I was going to get all kinds of questions and I didn't want to answer any questions. (laughs) I just wanted to do it because I know what Jake and Jake gave me solid, honest information. And I didn't want to have to go through that of, and I know Amanda and got, I love her to death for this, but she'd have been, like, asking question after question after question after question. After <laughs> question and I'd have been going, ah,
2: I'm done. I'm doing it. I don't care what you say. So I did it. And
1: um, wow. Blew my mind. I mean, all my torch issues disappeared, except for the damn parasites that are just a nightmare to get rid of on torch corals nowadays. Um, you think you got rid of the torch-eating flatworms? You thought wrong. <laughs> They live inside the coral, I think, because um, I don't know how else to say it. There's no other way to, 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 to pinpoint why a coral does great for four months and not a single coral in the entire facility has the flatworm on it. And then all of a sudden it pops up again when there's no new torches or any euphilias introduced. But we didn't have any problems with this bacterial infection since then as well. And I was so frustrated with uh, euphilia glabrescence. Losing polyp after polyp after they would grow out from a single polyp into five or six polyps. Everybody says heads. Note to everybody, they are not heads. They are coral Mouth. polyps. Polyps, not heads. Um, They're mouths too, right?
0: I mean, you're talking about mouths. Yes. Right. Exactly. They're, yeah.
1: This is the thing. A
0: head, according
1: to people, is a polyp, is an individual animal. So when you have a colony of torch coral and there are seven polyps on it, you have seven clones of the original animal. And you have seven individual animals, basically, in a colony form. Um, Jake would love me for saying that anyway. <laughs> we, we used to do it all the time. And he, he used to say to me, like, dude, you just said heads. And I'm like, dude, cr- dude, I talk to people. I talk to my customers all day, every day. And if I say polyp with euphilia, I get pauses from people. They don't have <laughs> any clue what I'm talking about. And I'm going, I, I, I mean, head. It's actually a polyp. Did you know that? It's not a head. It's a polyp. It's like the lingo. Um, <laughs> you know, you got
0: to like, just go with the lingo. But it's. I yeah. respect
1: what Jake said. He yeah. wanted, I want people to understand what they have in their possession too. That's why I can't stand Looney Tune names. You know, if, if I, if you put a name on it, put the species with it. Because if people don't know what they actually have, the hobby's dead in the long run. I mean, because if you don't know what coral species you're keeping and you only know it by some Looney Tune name that was for marketing purposes only, 98% of the time, um, the industry's, you know, hurting really badly because you're not educating yourself on what you actually physically have that lives in the ocean that everybody's worried about. Learn your Latin names. I mean, I don't care if you learn the species name. Learn the Latin name. If it's a euphilia, it's a euphilia. If it's a polyp, it's a polyp, not a head.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know… Um, about two months ago, I I reached out to you and I was like, dude, I I've been losing like I've I've had some RTN STN issues in my peninsula tank. The tank had been thriving, and um, maybe since the start of the summer, like randomly, I would have one um, SPS colony that would just kind of like completely you know RTN overnight. Then there would be like some STN. It um, it kind of like got um, it got a little bit worse like in in uh, September you know I had a nice big home record colony and I started seeing like some um, all of a sudden it started to STM I was like holy crap what's going on there Walt Disney same thing um, the uh, the ACI pink spathulata was not looking happy the uh, the ACI <laughs> cherry pie millie was not looking happy um, the uh, the ACI yellow tip I got from you beautiful colony just thriving overnight gone it's like okay what uh what is Plenty. going on here and um you know so i know um i know paletta had done the uh, the cipro and i was like all right chris i need your input on this thing uh, what do you uh what do you think and mike is telling me i should do cipro and you said no oxalenic acid
1: yes it's mild antibiotic that kills gram negative bacteria did i say
0: gram positive when i had those guys on you did. You did. All
2: right. It's okay. I stand it's, corrected. I
1: mean, it, it, it's, it's very, um, it's a lot to, it's a lot of information to process and, and remember. I mean, um, I, I've always been all about understanding the gram negative, gram positive bacteria because of, um, you know, the gram negatives can be, can be extremely bad. You know, there's a lot of vibrios and a lot of other species of bacteria that can be in, you know, that are gram negative that can really be detrimental to your, to your, um, little ecosystem you have growing. Um, so, why I, you know, and Mike, I'm happy that it worked for you, buddy. Um, but I'll tell you what, after um, my experience with Cipro has never been with Cipro in an aquarium. It was with my, my amazing daughter at a year and a half old with the MRSA infection. It was the last straw for the doctors to get this MRSA infection under control was to give her an IV drip of Cipro. I had to sign a paper for them to give my daughter at a year and a half this nasty, nasty antibiotic And when I heard people were using it in their aquariums, my head was about to explode because what is it going to do to your aquarium's biological system? What are the long-term effects that it's going to do for your system because it is such a broad-spectrum antibiotic that um, is really, really, really bad? I mean, it kills almost everything. Um, There's worse ones out there, but when it comes down to Cipro, for the doctors to say to me it was the last straw for your daughter's MRSA infection – I'm going, I don't want this in her body, you know, and actually, you know, that actually was a good thing because I signed the paper and a half an hour later, I took matters into my own hands and everything was good to go. (laughs) (laughs) And she didn't get very much Cipro, let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, so I didn't want to go the Cipro route, um, especially as a full tank treatment. Now I can't say anything negative to anybody wanting to use Cipro as a, as a bath yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, as a dip, you know, because, you know, antibiotics are very new to us in the reefing industry. We don't use antibiotics. Nobody ever used antibiotics, you know, years ago in their full system treatments, you know, and I didn't use antibiotics until in a full system treatment until I used oxalinic acid. I mean, I've used nitrofurazone for half a decade now treating stretched corals coming in and just having a 150 gallon, you know, trough set up to put the corals in with, with metrophurozone was a very beneficial learning experience for ACI and for us and the longevity and the health of these animals. Um, and again, it goes back to the fact that I, I couldn't stand seeing, you know, a, Plerogyra, bubble corals, or or stressed out blastamuses, or stressed out, you know, euphelias, or stressed out, you know, ACAN or micro lords. When we had the brown jelly issues with micro lords, they all that was the whole reason why we started doing the nitrofurazone or antibiotic dips, was because of the brown jelly that was coming from the Great Barrier Reef on micro lords. Um so using it in a system. For people to throw Cipro in there, it's like, oh my gosh, what's it going to do? I mean, great thing is that corals can cycle an aquarium for you. So people might not have even noticed the fact that it wiped out their entire biological bed because – corals are very resilient and they can go through that cycle again, or it wiped out the majority of it because it was not in the system long enough to get through all the pores and crevices. Maybe there was enough bacteria left there to continue the, the cycle and, and, and life of the aquarium um, without going through a full blown cycle again, but oxalic acid, you won't go through a cycle. And that's why I was like, and Jake was, Jake was saying the same thing to me. He's like, dude, why are people using Cipro in their aquariums? Why are people telling people to use Cipro in their aquariums? There's no studies done on this what's he going to do? And he's like, I'm doing the ox and um, let's go from there. And we were both so ecstatic about it. We were getting ready to write a whole entire article on it. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to say it, but it was was supposed to come out the first week he was in Bali and I was supposed to send him my information on the Friday, the day he passed. And that's where I get really hard with that oxalic acid thing because, you know, it was a thing him and I were working on for so long, you know, and,
2: we were going to tell the world
1: about it. And you know, actually, everybody can hear about it today, right here, right now. Yeah. First time I've talked about it in any details whatsoever. And Amanda is actually doing another article. Um, I, I think so. She's supposed to be doing another article if it gets approved on oxalate acid in the coral magazine. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been a life changer for me and life changer for my um, euphilia glabrescence and a bunch of other corals. Yeah. Um, Acropores, especially in my uh, wild coral system, um, I'm not going to go on much more on this because I know you got some really cool, a really cool story to tell about it. But we, we had um, been treating all of our elegance corals upon arrival, um, right from the bags they were packed in to oxalinic acid bath for 24 hours, then to our coral, wild coral systems. We found that that was probably a really smart thing to do. But um, if it was already present in the wild coral system, it didn't do any good. Yeah. Because <laughs> in a couple of weeks, it started to happen again. So that's when, after the amazing results we got on our, our, our farm system, and we haven't done it again to that farm system, and that's been over six months. Um, and we've only done it, uh, the treatment, uh, the three, three, three consecutive treatments um, once, in our wild coral systems. But because we did that, when we take our wild corals, our elegance corals into the oxalic acid, unfortunately, all the other corals should probably go through it too, because they're coming from the same system that the day going uh, elegance corals are, and maybe the elegance corals have it present in their body, yeah. and we're fixing them. Hmm. But as soon as we put all the other corals in, if that same strain of bacteria is on any I mean, any other coral that we put into that system, it'll eventually make its way to the elegant. Kind of blows and your and mind, right?
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: it's 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 life. Yeah. it's an ecosystem. It's it's it, the circle of life. It finds a way.
0: Life finds a way. Um, <laughs> amazing, Rob Upstate, New York, and Corey Page. Thank you guys so much for the super chats. The comments are uh, here's to a three-hour Reef Bump episode. Laugh out loud. Great job, Keith and Chris. <laughs> I got a pee, so you know that ain't gonna happen. But uh, Corey Page, thank you. <laughs> Um, from the Boston reefers gang, great live stream. Thanks, uh, folks. Um, so yeah, my experience with the oxalinic acid. So I, you know, I described the situation, what was going on in my tank. And, and, um, so, uh, about, um, five weeks ago I did, uh, I finished up my third oxalinic acid treatment of my, my peninsula tank. Right. And, um, I, you know, I talked about the RTN and STN events and some, some corals that were definitely looking like they were next up. In terms of uh, you know, kind of like shit in the bed, but uh, (laughs) uh, knock on wood, five weeks uh, since that last treatment, I have not had any RTN STN events. I've had corals, the uh, the spathulata, the cherry pie millie. They have turned around some sick polyp extension on the pink uh, ulata. So yeah, you know. So you know, again, this is uh, this is experimental, right? This is, uh, is. this is something that, uh, and, and so, you know, hopefully we're gonna get some data on this because I did a, um, a pre and a post aqua biomics test on it. I have not, uh, gotten results back on that. I know somebody else, um, um, Andy from uh, Oregon reached out to me and, and, um, you know, he, he wanted to know what the, the treatment was. So I passed that along and, and uh, he's going to do a pre-post as well on the uh, the aquabiomics because he was having some issues with ten and STN. So I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it is very experimental. It's uh, anecdotal at this point in time, but it would be nice to have some data behind it.
1: I mean, when it comes down to elegance corals and bathing them in this oxalic acid, the proof is right there. There's, no, there's nothing anecdotal about that because that elegance coral was going to die. And Julian said it, it is doomed. It's dead. Zach, fix it. Zach fixed it. When, um, Julian, Julian, he called Julian and said, Hey, you know, your elegance has been looking great now for over a month since we've done the treatments on it. Um, you know, do you want to come get it? And he's like, no, put it in your display tank at frost science museum and let it live its life out there. You did that. Now I know what needs to be done for every elegance coral that I get. And, now that he knows that the whole system can be treated, I'm sure that the tanks that had elegant corals in the past in that died, uh, he's thinking logically about this and that bacteria still might be present in there. Maybe I should treat the entire system instead of just the coral. And I think that's, um, that's the key. If you haven't had an elegance coral in any of your reef systems and you want an elegance coral, I'm um, happy to you know, have you go through the process and help you out with the process. It's a half a gram per 10 gallons of water. And it's 24 hours. In that, make sure that the aquarium has um, very similar conditions to a normal reef aquarium where you have a light cycle and you have water flow and the temperatures being maintained um, for 24 hours. And as a matter of fact, Keith, I'm glad we're talking here because I had, uh, you know, the, the, the weekend before the sale, um, Andreas told me on Friday... Because I normally go in on Saturdays to, to finish up my photos, um, taking photos for the, the next week's what you see is what you get. He's like, you're coming in on Saturday? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm putting in um, the elegance corals that are in coral one. They're going in the oxalic acid. He's like, make sure you take them out. Well, I don't know what happened, but I was like totally brain dead that Saturday, I guess. And I didn't even go in and look at them. They were still in the oxalic acid all, all the way till Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And I got in Monday morning, and I looked, and I'm like, "Oh my God, you dummy!" <laughs> I went over, grabbed the coals, I put them into the system, and believe it or not, like they were they were looking rough on Friday. They were so wide open. I'm like, "Well, maybe two days isn't a bad thing," because they looked absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. And actually, we sold uh, every one of them but two. On the, what you see is what you get. That's how amazing they looked. And uh, every customer that got them said they looked phenomenal and were opened up great. So, um, that was just a stumbled across, um, blunder by me. Uh, (laughs) two days is not a bad thing. It's not going to hurt them. Actually, I think it might be a better thing doing two days, but I've only got one time doing it with the results that we got off of it. It's only one time. So I can't really say that that's, um, better, um, but it seems like it is from what I'm seeing right now. That maybe two day bath is even better than just that one day multiple
0: times. Right, and and we should we should point out that uh, you're talking about baths for um, you know individual like LPS corals and and there's Correct. also a in tank treatment type of. Um, I'm not
1: going to put that out there to just anybody. I don't want the world to know about that. I don't want people just throwing oxalic acid in their tanks for no reason, like people are throwing cipro in their tank for no particular <laughs> reason. I mean, I, I need to know more before I have people doing this. You, you, you know, and you. I, 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 you know, I don't. If I don't know the person, they're not going to find out. Right. <laughs> let's put it that way. You want the bath? I just told you what the bath is. <laughs> you want the full system treatment? Uh, when I'm more comfortable giving that information out, that's when I'll give that out. And, and but it's
0: it's experimental. And and it's experimental. And people should be. You know, I think the first thing you got to do if you're in terms of acros, let's let's talk about acros, RTN, STN, get an ICP test. You know, just uh, that, that, exactly. Do an ICP test and see if there's anything like red flagged in the ICP test, and uh, yep. you know, go, go kind of go down the traditional path there before you do something that's um, still kind of being understood.
1: And, and there's only one ICP test we recommend, right? 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 <laughs> re re That's the only one that I will use. Well, and dude, I had I had I had, I had
0: Claude on from Fauna Marine uh, there, you know, last week, but. Close, What's that?
1: I missed it. I missed all but the last 20 minutes. I wanted to hear Claude. He's such a... He's so knowledgeable. He's got so much up there. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I've forgotten a lot of things but he's definitely forgotten more than what I've forgotten in all the years he's been reefing. He's a very... Uh, knowledgeable and wealth of information and I was really upset that I missed it and I tried to get back and listen to it but every time I went to I was trying to listen to it with my earbuds at work. I get interrupted too much. I'm like ah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> So maybe
1: over break just sitting down chilling I'll get to listen to the rest of the uh the the the, the, the live stream that you had with Claude. Yeah.
0: yeah good guy. Yeah. Very yeah, good Yeah, yeah he had some interesting uh theories and ideas for sure. Um all right dude maybe we should wrap it up because I know I gotta probably uh probably take a pee and and uh
1: um, whenever you're ready buddy i'm ready to i mean we can do this another time and i had fun
0: oh always always have a lot of fun with you buddy on so uh i'm 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 sure we'll uh we'll have you back on uh real soon to uh to chat again but uh yeah folks i I appreciate everybody uh oh we got up to 100 likes beautiful yeah yeah nice thank Thank you you, folks (laughs) All right, man. Well, listen, we uh, we talked about this before, but um, how do they uh, how do they get a hold of your stuff? Uh,
1: To get a hold of ACI's corals, um, you need to have a local fish store that is doing business with us. um, If they are not, um, you know, I've had some people be very persistent and push and push and push and push and they get the customer, the the store to set up an account. And they're very happy when they do set up an account. Um, So you have to be a local fish store or an accredited online um, seller that has an active website that, um, is their sole source of income. And there's, uh, there is online websites that can purchase from us that you that you can purchase our corals from. Um, and if they don't have the coral you're looking for, just request, say, Hey, um, I need the ACI Prince of Darkness and just to have them order some up for you. Um, and there's not very many online only, um, retail outlets that we sell to, um, but the ones that are, are definitely credible in our opinion um, so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's the only way at this point in time. And um, I've got some tricks up my sleeve for um, our new website when that gets put together. And we, I've been nice. talking about it for like three months, but when it gets all said and done, it's going to be a very easy outlet for anybody that is the end buyer for retail stores to be able to purchase because it's a simple link that um, the, the customer needs to post up that they can, you can buy what you see is what you get corals or whatever um, makes it nice and easy, but that's coming down the road. When it's going to happen. I can't tell you um, there's so much going on and it's a long process putting together the proper website.
0: You guys are busy.
1: Yes. Too damn busy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not busy right now. So,
0: <laughs> Well dude, listen, happy holidays to, uh, to you and Amanda and the rest of the family and uh, to all you folks out there. Uh, happy holidays. And um, yeah, I uh, appreciate you, Chris. It's always a it's always a real uh, fun chat when we, when we got you on there. So uh, you thank you again, man, man for uh, for taking the time to be with us tonight.
1: I'm glad to be here. Um, thank you guys very much for listening, and uh, thank you, Keith. Um, have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, folks. So that's going to do it for this episode. I um, also want to thank both Folk Resupply supply and EcoTech Marine for being the sponsors of this uh, live stream. And i appreciate all you folks uh tuning in and participating in the chat and the uh contributing with the super chat thank you thank you very much also a big thank you to paul the moderator who is also the president of the boston reefers society please join and support your local reefing clubs they are so important to this hobby i also want to let you know that all episodes of rap with the reef Home are available as podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast stitcher and amazon I'm Going to be off next week for the holidays, but my next Wrapping on the Refund live stream will be on Thursday, January 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Aaron from Aqua Forest. So that should be another great show. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests on Wrapping um, on the Refund, visit refund.com under the YouTube section. Until then, be safe and be well,
2: and we will see you next time. Thanks, Keith.